This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we have our Mock Draft 3.0 for you, along with our Wet Boys and Fantasy Basketball League update. We are super excited to bring this to you on All-Star Weekend. Uh, last night was the Futures game. Had some great performances from De'Aaron Fox, 2.16 assists. Uh, Kyle Kuzma was your MVP with 35 points. And Luka Doncic, 13 points and 9 assists. He wasn't that great, but I like him, you know, bringing him up. Uh, he's he's our boy, and especially the Ben Simmons joke. It was ben, oh, that he's going to be here next year? Exactly. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Uh, it's funny when he does it, or it's yeah. funny when he's trolling Utah fans who are still salty about it. Yep. Uh, but anyways, uh, we're going to be talking about the mock draft guys who, you know, are going to be in the future games in, in the next two years. Uh, we're going to be going through our 1 through 30 for that. Do not forget, um, if you are watching on YouTube or you are listening to on Stitcher, iTunes, et cetera, et cetera, um, to at least comment down below on YouTube on the 1 through 10, 20, uh, 11 through 20 or 31, or 21 through 30 part, uh, because we will be having the mailbag next week where we answer all your questions that you do leave in the comments below. And if you are on iTunes and Stitcher and there's no comment section, feel free to tweet us at MostValuePod. Also, if you do want to support us, check out Patreon.com slash Podcast. But boys, let's jump into Wet Boys. We're talking about the dampest of dudes, the soggiest of shooters, the moistest of men. These are the guys that absolutely popped off in the last week. Not the best player of the week award. Um, Dave likes to think of it that way, but these guys had record-setting performances, career highs, um, and, and you know just absolutely stupid numbers uh, that we are going to talk about. So, Ricky, start us off. No, mine is easy. I'm keeping the hometown train going. Last week was a little Laurie Marketing. This week, I got to go with Automatic Porter Jr. Had a phenomenal game to end the first half of our season. Well, technically not the first half because it's a little over half, but still, Mm -hmm. before the All-Star break, beating the Memphis Grizzlies. Then for me, 59% from the field for OPJ, 50% from three. Yes, he tanked our draft stock. I'm not happy about that, but I am happy with giving it to another bull. I don't think you should really be too upset about Otto Porter tanking your draft stock because New York and Phoenix are on just different well, levels. I just I but we need that three spot. I fear of like we last year. Odds. Like last year sucked because it was like, oh, we're gonna get a good draft odds. And okay, we're six and great. Now mm-hmm. we're either gonna be six or seven. And then the freaking Kings and then the Kings got yeah. rolled up to yeah. two. Yeah, I think you can at least blame him for winning you a game at home because mm-hmm. it was like what eleven straight losses at home. Um, where now we're Phoenix dead. lost fifteen straight, uh, yeah. just in general. But uh, yeah, I mean, Otto Porter was was pretty impressive, especially for my fantasy team, the one I got. I have him in where I paid money for uh, thirty seven <laughs> points on that efficiency was pretty damn nice. Yeah, uh, in, in that last game. Uh, but Dave. Give us your what boy. Yeah, I'm going James Harden. You know, y- y'all y'all just can't recognize greatness sometimes, so I have to just bring it myself weekly. Yeah, it's boring. Oh, I, man. I Okay, it's not that we don't think he's great. He put up 30, He is great. It's just it's boring at this point. Yeah, and Giannis put to up it. 31, 18, and 9 and a half when we didn't give him what Greatness boy. is boring. I'm sorry you spoiled <laughs> bitches. Like, recognize what you're watching because it's not going to happen often. Like... This hasn't happened since basically what he's he's in the Wilt Chamberlain area now he's of the, record books. Yeah, this is now the this is now smelling 
of uh, Wilt Chamberlain's jockstrap because now he's tied for second uh, for most 30 points uh, point per games in a row um, at 31. Uh, but even looking at those numbers, you look at most consecutive uh, th- 30 points or more uh, in a game. Uh, Wilt has 65, and that was from November 61 to fe- February 22nd, 1962. And then he had one of 31, and then James Harden just tied that 31. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing about that. The 30 uh, streak, uh, Wilt was ni- ni- November 4th, 1961 to February 22nd, 1962. Uh, that's when he had 65 straight games with 30 or more points. And then he had 31 February t- 25th to 1962 to December 8th, 1962. So he had one game in between it where he didn't score 30 points. Yep. And then just restarted it up with a whole nother, what, uh, 96 straight games. <laughs> so incredible. Like 96 and 97 Look, games. I, I understand. He had over 30 points. I get it. Wilt's so ridiculous from a number standpoint, but you have to admit, James Harden is special. I'm a little yeah, disappointed he, he missed out his opportunity for the 30 on 30 on 30 that he could have had. Mm-hmm. But let's let's be honest, like this is pretty pretty good basketball. I mean, these are the these are the best just numbers I've seen from a point per game yeah. standpoint in my life because I wasn't around for I wasn't really paying attention that much to Kobe's, but it's even better than Kobe. I would say uh, he has now surpassed Kobe at 36.6 points per game, which yep. is stupid. Um, I mean, it's incredible because I wasn't around for Jordan's 37. Uh, I mean, it, what James Harden is doing is historic. So in that point, he is, you know, absolutely deserving yeah. of a wet boy. Um, but also, it's just like, we get it. He's really great. Like, I yeah. think that's that's my point is that it's not that we don't rec- recognize or respect his greatness. It's just that it gets it's getting old. But here's the thing. <laughs> it's getting It's the same. I want to throw this out about it. And yeah. This is kind of going off of something what Kobe said where – of course, Kobe's going to say this in the media of, like, his type of play is not going to translate to championships. Yeah. Does he need to win one this year? Because, like you mentioned, Jordan, no. championship. Kobe, champion. Like, if he won what a championship would be, or five all-stars, he'd, be, the, no, 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 but he'd like, be a legend. What would be his legacy, then, if he doesn't win a championship? Just, oh, he's a really good player. A la Carl Malone. Okay, so they fall one of the, the greatest scorers of all time. Think, okay, which is exactly what James Harden is. I think he might fall more into the Elgin Baylor uh, landscape because Elgin is probably the greatest Taking it way player, back. the greatest player to not win a championship. Um, was eleven time All Star, ten times All NBA. I think that that's more in line with is that not Carl Malone numbers too? Mm-hmm. I thought Carl's were like pretty much the same thing. I, well, I mean, Elgin, minus Elgin, that I extracurricular think, activity think, Carl's got going on. Elgin mm-hmm. had a high... Yeah, fuck Carl for that. Yeah, but he's I think, a terrible person. Um, Elgin had a higher uh, point per game percentage. He had the thir- 27.4 for his career, but he also had uh, th- uh, three seasons of 34.8, 38.3, and 34 points per game. Yeah, he had higher highs, for sure. Uh, so I think that would be more of the career he has. But also, we can't compare these guys because Carl was a Different low post hours. player. Elgin yeah, was a forward. And, you know, James Harden's a guard shooting 18 threes a game. True. So, true, true, do, true. do you have a comparison for him? Or? No, I was just pulling up Carl Malone's yeah. stats. All-time historical. Like I think he'd be in that category. I mean, no one expects anyone to win but five All-Stars on the Warriors. Like that's anyone upsets that, they're legendary right there. So. Well, I mean, technically should have done it last year. I know he had Chris Paul alongside of him, but I mean, so and Kobe also had Shaq and All-Star. Jordan also had Scotty, so you can't knock it Harden for that. But I mean, I just I look at it and go, yes, what he's doing is great, but it's like at the end of it, it's like, what's the true goal at the end of the year? Win a championship. Yeah, but I mean, do we? I mean, he's only twenty nine, so mm-hmm. it's not the fact. Like, I mean, he's stayed fairly healthy throughout his career. So I mean, it's not like he's not doesn't have the opportunity to play till he's like thirty eight and get like a Ray Allen ring. Uh, and I'm yeah. not saying like the Ray Allen Boston ring, like the Ray Allen Miami ring, because mm-hmm. I think he's still going to be effective 
even late into his career just because he has that ability to yeah. um, create Step for himself. Step back, don't change. Yeah. And, and even then, I think we can see a renaissance in his game because he's still got a great jumper. So maybe he even just turns into like a spot-up shooter, uh, which would be weird to see. But, you know, when he's 38 trying to chase a ring, I, I, th- I think it's still possible. I mean, he's still got yeah. at least 10 years to get that ring. So I don't think we could write him off for not having a ring yet no. because there's so much, you know, part of his uh, career to write uh, because he can go down with an injury also as well. You can see the dark side of things and he can go down, you know. Thanks. Right, the, Thanks, for, Sean. I'm sure all the Houston Rockets fans can go up, are loving you right now. He can now. go for a 360 dunk in the All-Star game and just, you know, tear his, tear his patella or something. His Clint, his Clint patella. I'm sorry. Uh, let's go to my wet boy. Uh, it's Russell Westbrook, his former teammate. Uh, Russ, with 10 straight games of a triple-double, uh, also became— Sean, triple-doubles don't matter. They're not, I knew you were going to bring it up. man. Let me finish it, and then we'll talk about that. Uh, <laughs> Russ, not only having 10 straight triple-doubles, but also becoming the all-time leader in uh, Supersonic and Oklahoma— uh, City Thunder uh, history of yeah, uh, yeah. You know, m- most points in a, in a career, passing the great Gary Payton. Uh, this week, uh, Russ averaged 29 points per game, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, shot 44% from the field, which is super efficient for Russ. That's like shooting 60%. Yeah. And then 82% from the line because I wasn't going to put his 26% from three. However, here's the thing is, if you see that Russell Westbrook in one game just put up a triple-double, do you bat an eye? That means there's a 70% chance they won that game. Okay, no, I'm not. Do you bat I'm nine? Just saying, it I'm, I'm just saying, if you saw, if you just, if you saw the fact that he put up a triple double, you're like, oh wow, that's something special. That's something new. It's you, not you don't new care. anymore. It's like James Harden put up thirty. It's you don't still give a shit. Impressive. But I give it. I'm the one giving him what points over no, here. No, but I'm saying you don't give a you shit. You guys don't give a shit. If you see one game of James Harden put up thirty, you don't care. It's, this is something new for him. It's it's not until he puts up like fifty <sighs> where you're like, oh wow. No, I agree. Thank you. And it's like, and this is the problem to bring James Harden back into it. The reason why, and I get not everyone does it because it's not like something everyone can do. But I look at 30 in this landscape and go, if you hit five threes, you're halfway there. Like yeah, all how, you gotta do is just hit five threes. That's not but asking too much. Most of the great how many people players average not, five threes a game. But what I'm saying is, how many five people make like mm-hmm. I look at the Warriors and I go. Clay could hit five in a game. Steph can hit five in a game. To where it's like, yeah, he's has this many thirty point performances in a row. But when you look at the Rockets, who is it? It's him. Like he is the Rockets, and that's the whole re. Like yeah. if he was on the Warriors, he wouldn't be having thirty point game. Like it wouldn't be a big deal. It wouldn't be as big of a deal because he'd have a team around him, like a stacked team around him. So, so no matter what he does, there's an excuse because of the people around him. No, just, I, it seems like I you're mean, taking shots at him. What he, there's no win scenario for James on Harden. On an individual standpoint, it is like what he's doing, he's a good basketball player. It's incredibly like, there's nothing, impressive. There's he's one of the best offensive players away. we've ever seen. It's not like he's trash, but like I look at it and no, I just he's, go. He's in the top 10 of offensive basketball players ever. It's a di- like For me, it's also a different league, too. Like going to the, like he goes to the line and then the step back like the step back travels there's just stuff with Harden's game that individually pisses me off about him and that's why I have a little shade like the double step back all right that's a travel to me i get it's a new nba and if there's Ruff new Saint travel Cone movies it, you're going to use it every tool in the book man like i mean there's new if tra- Tremont green can kick people in the nuts and get away with it why wouldn't he take an extra step on his shots <laughs> i, I would have pulled out the uh, wizards travel but okay to answer your guys question about uh five points i'm just salty about Draymond. No, five no. three pointers made in a game who's averaging five threes made a game this year in general uh well james Harden's yeah. the only one to do it this year oh well guess that guess and, that's not so easy to do and in nba history it's only been done three times in a season huh. 
It's James Harden and it's Steph twice. Oh, I guess that's Steph, probably not easy to do. Steph this year right if now. If I gave the and ball then in 2015-2016. If I gave the ball to Clay as much as James Harden has the ball, I bet you Clay could do it. Hmm. Or Steph. Well, Steph has done it twice. Yeah. Steph like, has done it on so, and Steph has done it in stupid efficiency. Yeah, 44% he was and 45%. Right now Harden's doing it on 37%. Yeah. Which is still and and that's the case where it's like when you're the only person on the team and it's like I'm gonna put the team on my back, of course you're gonna have numbers like this. Clay is never How come, come Devin Booker's not putting up thirty seven a night? Because Devin Booker I'm not saying like everyone Devin Booker's else got is no one else on his team. I'm not Devin saying Booker's a great Devin offensive Booker player. is Devin the Booker's same a player shooter. as James Harden though. Like, but he's got no one else on his team. That was your point. If you have no one else on your team, you got to put the team on your back. No, and what I'm saying is if James Hart, like, if Chris Paul was out there and he was healthy, like we saw last year and he was consistently out there, I don't he's think we would see He's been playing the last this. two weeks. Yeah, but two weeks, like, two which weeks. Which would be two weeks of these stats, at, at which this, was 38 and I think 40 but the previous week. But mm-hmm. at this point, it's the James Harden show. Like, Chris Paul now at this point is not going to come in and change the landscape. It is James Harden show. This is like they're not going to change it now because yeah, because they're winning games. It's they're going to be like a top three seed in the West. But like if it was consistently from the beginning of the season, I don't think this ever like becomes you act a like thing. It's a bad thing. Let that me, he's doing this. Let me throw this in there, there as well. Um, even attempting ten three pointers a night in a game throughout a season is only done four times. James Harden, you just add James Harden from last year. Yeah. He hit ten. He was shooting ten exactly a night. So I mean, just to hit five threes every single night is not done. And in doing what James Harden's doing is pretty much impossible. The only people to do it ever is Wilt Chamberlain. We're talking about Wilt um, being the only guy to ever, you know, have the longest 40 points or more uh, streak. Uh, mm-hmm. He's done it four times over, like, like seven times uh, in a row in a game. And also we're talking about uh, 50 or more points per game. Like, I mean, he's in Wilt level. Whenever you're near Wilt level, it's absolutely insane. So what James Harden's doing is extremely impressive. And I, I don't think we can minimize that. And I don't think Ricky's trying to minimize it. I think he's trying to say it's easier to do it now. Um, and you're trying to say, well, why hasn't anyone done it? And I think that's a very fair point. Yeah. Uh, James Harden has this, I think, beautiful blend of high usage, um, playing in the right offense for him because D'Antoni knows that, you know, right now this team needed to change because they couldn't be the same offense they were last year, shooting as many three-points players yeah. as they were. They couldn't be running as well because the personnel's different. Uh, Clint Capella being down, Chris Paul being down, obviously changed that. And you're not going to change James Harden putting up this many points per night. So I think that, yes, it can be taken away. I think what, what Wilt was doing was uh, a little bit more impressive, but also you can look at the, the level of competition uh, and also take that down from Wilt. Um, so I think that they are both impressive, and just to go back to my my wet boy Russell Westbrook. Um, what, I, what my point <laughs> oh, was yeah. just trying. So you to, Russell yeah. Westbrook. Well, my point was just trying to be there with the the whole triple double thing. Is like a guy getting a triple double is not that impressive to me anymore because it's just been done so many times in the past like five years. I would love to look up and go through the history of like the frequency of triple doubles, and I bet it's spiked mm-hmm. over the past five years just because yeah. the game's changing. It's it's allowing for guards to grab more rebounds, so that's. And, you know, immediately boosting that stat category. And they're usually typically around, like, you know, the great guards are usually typically around, like, seven assists per game. So getting 10 isn't too crazy for them. And, you know, again, like, the great guards are usually scoring at least 10 a night. Uh, So them getting triple doubles has just been, you know, kind of eased a little bit with the idea of letting your guards grab rebounds and then, you know, pushing the ball up the floor. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I'm saying it's a little less impressive. But doing it 10 times a row is extremely impressive. James Harden putting up 30 just in a night isn't that impressive. But when he does it 31 straight times, that's what makes it impressive. So that was the point I was trying to make is now that Russ is doing, you know, able to take all of it together and, and then obviously, you know, link it across multiple games. 
that's what's making it impressive for me. You can also take it, you know, take it down a notch by saying, you know, him and Paul George both had a triple double in the same game, and they play in the same team. And Paul yeah. George put up forty-one points per game, that or forty-one did. points in that game. Uh, and Paul George was easily uh, worthy of what boy this week as well, uh, along with Giannis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, both guys are on historic runs. Uh, I think James Harden's a little bit more impressive uh, right now, just because he's at Wilt level, and Russ is just at Russ level right now. Um, but again, we're not trying to take away from how great. James Harden is. He's fantastic. Yep. He's my MVP right now. Um, some people still want to give it to Giannis, or even even I've seen Paul George uh, above James Harden so far. But if you look at what James Harden has done, putting up 30 points per game over the past 31 games, they have I think a 22 and 11 record, and they're under 500 when uh, you know before that that streak even started. So Correct. James Harden doing this has helped his team, and I think if he wasn't on this team, this team would be garbage. So I think we're looking at most valuable player. You got to look at James Harden what he's doing. Let's move into a quick fantasy update because uh, we, we got to move on to the, the, uh, the mock <laughs> yeah. draft. We were worried about the 1 through 10 taking over an hour. <laughs> Wet Boys is closing in on an hour uh, right now. But uh, right now. Wait, what? Was oh, okay. at, I, was, at, I was terrified. I think we're at, <laughs> we're at like 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Did that um, much on, uh, on James Harden? That no, was a joke. I mean, for Wet Boy standards, last week it was six minutes. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, we didn't do a fantasy update either. Yeah. Right now we are at 93 points. 93. We have cracked the 90 level, and we are in uh, fourth place right now. Nice. And that is, no, just wait. It's even nicer. It's even nicer, Dave. Oh. We're at 93 points. It's, there's a tie for a second for 94.5. So we we're only a, a, a point and a half away from being in second place. Oh, my God. Uh, Super Hippo is at number one. He has 102 points. Uh, right now, field goals made. We are in fourth. Uh, field goal percentage. We are still near the bottom. Uh, not a good sign for us as we are in ninth. Free throw percentage. We are also in ninth. Three pointers made. Second. Uh-huh. Uh, three point percentage. We are sixth. Rebounds. We are number one. Hey. Do we still have Drummond on our team? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, why. Unless you traded him. No, I don't remember trading him. But also Dave doesn't check the game. I think <laughs> it's been, I think it's been a, a less of a negative, which has been good. No, he's been playing up a lot. Uh, assists. We are three. Steals. We are two. Blocks, we are seventh, and points, we are fourth. So, so far, so good. And the the one that we've been really hurting at mm-hmm. is is blocks. Obviously, uh, three-point percentage and free throw percentage have, have been hurt, but I'm kind of accepting that we, we kind of suck in that. Yep. Um, the moves that I have made were drop Nerlens mm-hmm. and pick up Mitchell Robinson because he's been super efficient. He's yep. at least been getting three blocks a night. Mm-hmm. And then also I dropped... Um, who did I drop? I dropped oh, Tyreek Evans for Touring Prince. Yeah. Uh, those were the two moves that I just made today. Um, so hopefully that will mean, prove our team. The trade deadline, though, I think might have helped us out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, Porter. the Bulls, Otto Porter, Toby moving over to the that, 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 I think that would hurt us a little bit. I, yeah. He might be more efficient, which will help that's our efficiency. what I'm yeah. saying. And also, I'm looking, um, we got Malik Beasley. I know that's not a trade deadline thing, but he's been playing really well yeah. for the Nuggets this I'm year. I'm just excited Trey Young's actually been balling out. Like, going into the yeah. going into the All-Star break, he has been amazing. So, great too. Yeah, let's Trey be, Young's let, been Let's fired. be honest, too. Ever since uh, Boogie came back, our numbers have been Well, I mean, that was, that was the whole plan. I, I <laughs> but it also uh, wasn't really due to Boogie. I, the other guys are just playing yeah. extremely well. I mean, but Boogie's Boogie been helped. good. Yeah, yeah, Boogie's been yeah. good. It's better to have those numbers help us because that's mm-hmm. just, you know, bulk numbers. Did someone take a flyer on Isaiah? Um, not that I've seen. Because he looked like poo when he came back. I mean, he was what? I, he had eight points. He had a nice three. I mean, he's also, you look at their guard situation. They have oh, Beasley. They have Monte so Morris. They cool. have Gary Harris. He's been injured. 
Uh, they have Jamal Murray, and obviously they have Jokic. That's immediately going to take away from any uh, IT is assist still a free agent. Uh, for oh, Isaiah yeah. Thomas. Uh, I'd leave him on the trade, the, the waiver wire for sure. Um, we don't need to take that risk right yeah. now. Um, but, I mean, he's coming back from a major injury. He hasn't played in a year. And, I know. He scored eight points. It's not bad. I know. I'm just saying, it was one of those guys who I was like, oh, it could be another DeMarcus Cousins situation where it's a mid-year pickup. Could mm-hmm. really boost the team. Mm-hmm. So if you think, if you got a lot of faith That would have been Chris Tops. Chris Tops would be nuts. If he would have came back. He's, he's not coming back, so. Uh, but yeah, no. I think Monty Morris has overplayed everybody's expectations. So mm-hmm. I don't know how many minutes uh, IT is going to get a night. It's a very crowded backcourt, like I, you said. I think they're going to wait until like maybe March or April to start pushing IT. Get him back slowly, play him like you know ten minutes yeah. a night, and then finally crank him up a little bit. Because I think you have to take that car out of the garage at some oh, point. Oh, you especially have to know what with, you got. Especially with how good Denver's yeah. been. Like you know how good you are, you can take a risk. And, and you see. were you were the number one seed, and you got that matchup against the uh, Warriors, and mm-hmm. honestly, it was a disappointing game. So I think that knowing that you have someone like Isaiah Thomas, who if he can kind of sparkle the way he did. In years past for the Celtics, mm-hmm. you got somebody who could be a game changer. And who's a team that's beat the uh, Warriors a lot? The Celtics. There you the go. Celtics have been a, a, a big thorn in the side of the uh, the Warriors. Historically, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Denver was kind of slighted by that three game losing streak, and then another two and a half game or two games back of uh, yeah. Golden State. But still, if they finish second in the West, um, I think that's going to be uh, a, a very happy sight for yeah. Denver fans. You're, uh, you're also for, like for halfway uh, towards your prediction, right? Yeah. I think I think I said if you, uh, if the Denver Nuggets finish top three in the Western Conference and Nikola Jokic has 22, 12, and seven, that he'll be a top three uh, M- uh, MVP finisher. I think most people probably have him at like fifth right now. Yeah. Um, but that's because his 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 actual shooting numbers haven't been up as much, uh, and they haven't really played him as much as I thought he would. Because uh, I, I thought he was going to get a, a little bit more minutes, but he's actually gotten less minutes than he did last year. Um, he is getting—he's scoring more. He's scoring twenty points per per night, shooting mm-hmm. more as well. He's at fifty thirty um, and and eighty four. I thought he was going to be more near the fifty forty uh, uh, eighty five level. Um, Very wishful thinking, but you mm-hmm. know, well, they're, they're still great. It's teams, just he's missed. He's just young core. missed less threes. Yep. Uh, he was making one and a half last year on three point seven attempts, and now he's shooting. He's making one and one point one. On three point six attempts, so I mean he's he's shooting around the same amount. He's just missing less yeah. or making less. Uh, but anyways, that does it for what boys and the fantasy update. Any final thoughts, boys? Before we get into the no, mock draft, no, I think we're good to go, sir. Well, let's move into the mock draft three We're going to start off one through ten. Before we do that, check out Patreon.com/slash Mostville Podcast if you want to support us, and also don't forget to put comments and reactions down uh, in the section below or tweet at us at Mostville Pod uh, if you were listening to on iTunes or Stitcher. Uh, we do want to hear your reactions because we're going to have a mailbag next week. We're going to react to the ones that incite the most conversation. So if you have a, a take about Ricky's mock draft, Dave's mock draft, my mock draft, or about any of the prospects that we're talking about one through ten, uh, also in the five following segments 11 through 20, 21 through 30, uh, definitely let them uh, known in the comments below, and we'll react to them next week. Uh, but, Ricky, start us off. We were using the Tankathon standings as of uh, 216. Ricky. No, I think uh, number one, the Suns, they got to make some moves. They got to shock some people, guys. Um, Zion Williamson, too mainstream for the Phoenix Suns. They're going to go with a guy I really like, though. They're going to go Lewis King at number one. Mm. We're going to Lewis King. They're going to go patreon.com slash <laughs> yes. podcast at no. number one. <laughs> no, but honestly, Zion Williamson, number one to the Suns. Number two, I got the Knicks going with Cam Reddish, um, his fellow teammate out of Duke. Cavs going to go with R.J. Barrett, the third Dukey, one, two, three. Mubbles going with Ja Morant, point guard out of Murray State. 
Then Jarrett Culver of Texas Tech going to the Atlanta Hawks at five. Then at six, the Grizzlies. They need someone. They're going to take Rui Hachimura, <laughs> the forward. They will literally take anyone. Really, really, I looked at that and I went, they could go oh anybody right here. We know so that and first Rui's, joke because it was really shit, but that was a good and Rui's <laughs> that was good. the guy that I like for them at six. Number seven, DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia going to the Wizards. Pelicans going with Darius Garland, point guard out of Vandy. Then Ball Ball to the Hawks via the Mavs. At nine, and then Romeo Langford out of Indy going to the going to the Magic at ten. I got a comment about this one through ten, but I got to save it until after Dave's. Dave gives about one through my 10. one through ten. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have both of yours. Dave, go. Yikes! Uh, <laughs> my number one, I've got the Suns taking Zion Williamson, obviously. Two, the Knicks going R.J. Barrett. Three, the Cavs going Cam Reddish. Four, the Bulls will be taking John Morant. And number five, the Hawks will be taking Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. Six, I've got the Grizzlies taking Darius Garland. Seven, I've got the Wizards going with DeAndre Hunter. At eight, the Pelicans will be drafting Romeo Langford. Nine, the Hawks taking Jackson Hayes. Popping up first time in the lottery. Uh, and at number ten, Magic taking Kelton Johnson. You fucking Bulls fans. You yeah. guys both rigged this to have John Morant go in the Bulls, and you nope. both know it. No, I did not. You, there is no way in hell. I'm oh, serious. You're smiling like a piece oh, of shit, and you're trying it. to act like it. No. You have Cam Reddish, too. Yeah, I, you, I'll defend you it. For when sure, we get to the Knicks, you, I will defend you it. You for sure know that John Morant's a better pro prospect no, than when, Cam Reddish. And you're I will bullshit. defend it when we get to the Knicks. For the past three months, you have thought John Morant's been better than Cam Reddish. Yeah, I will explain it when we get there, Sean. Trust me. I'm coming ready. Very, very coming. Interesting. Guns, guns are loaded for this very, one. Very interesting how John Morant lands to the Bulls at four for both Bulls fans. Uh, anyways, let's go. Didn't think it was going to happen coming in, but hey, I'll I'll set the record straight. I, I saw that for Dave, and Dave didn't even try to deny because <laughs> no, I knew what he did. I'm not. Uh, one through ten for me. Suns at one. Zion Williamson forward out of Duke. Two, Knicks going with jo- uh, RJ Barrett uh, forward out of uh, Duke. Uh, three, Cavs going with John Morant out of Murray State. Four, Bulls going with Cam Reddish. Four, Hawks going with Jarrett Culver. Six, the Grizzlies going with Darius Garland. Seven, the Wizards going with DeAndre Hunter. Eight, the Pelicans going with Rui Hachimura. Nine, the Hawks via the Magic going with Keldon Johnson. And ten, the Magic going with Romeo Lankford out of Indiana. Uh, we don't need to talk about Zion. Uh, Zion's going to fit with the Suns. I mean, there's no way you shouldn't be picking him at number one. Yeah. Eric, uh, our patron who was supposed to be on this week, uh, had to pull out due to some personal issues. We totally understand. Uh, he wanted to do the argument of John ja Morant over Zion Williamson, and then he uh, DM me today saying I couldn't make an argument. Uh, so well, I wanted, there's just no argument. For well, me. I wanted to ask you for the Suns only because like the Suns have been a team we have talked about at nauseum where they need a point guard. Okay, are they the only team where you could at least make an argument for Ja over Zion at one? Are they the only team? Because I almost no. did it. I thought about it for like three okay. literal seconds and so then put Zion. You were you're thinking about putting uh, Ja Morant number one? Yes, but you're dropping all the way to four. Well, the other fit, like the other fits. There are you don't reasons. take fits. Fits don't matter in a draft. You go potential. There is, you know this. No, you said it on the no. podcast. You and look you bullshit. You your look way at the to John Morant to the Bulls. You look at the other two teams, and there are reasons why they would not go John Morant. Come on, uh, no, there's no argument for Ja, ja over Zion Williamson. There, no, Zion's a transcendental player, and I think John Morant can be, but Zion Williamson is 6'7", 285 mm-hmm. pounds. The only thing is just worrying about injuries. But also, you look at their numbers, Zion's pretty much putting up similar stats to John Morant, but he's doing against <laughs> ACC competition, not MVC competition. There's no argument for uh, Zamor, uh, Zion. I, he I don't know, up Sean, you're being kind of hypocritical there saying uh, 
coming at the people that are like, why would you want John Moran, who's come out of Murray State before, and now you're bashing no, but I'm uh, saying like, Murray State I'm saying competition. If, if you're looking at what Zion's doing against this level of competition, mm-hmm. night in, night out, he's consistently being just the best player on the floor. And it's yeah. not even in the same way. He's consistently finding mm-hmm. the way to be the best player on the floor in multiple different ways. There's no, there's no argument to not have him at number one. Now, I'm saying people who are trashing John Morant for not being a good pro prospect because um, he's, because he's coming out of Murray State, that's bullshit. Okay. If he fails, it's because John Morant failed. It's not because he went to Murray State. Um, but the thing with Zion, it, it compared to John Morant, like, Zion's dominating better competition. And and it's like, it, it's just clear that he's going to step in as a pro. He's going to be, uh, you know, a contributor right away. Um, and not saying that John Morant can't be or won't be, uh, but it's just that Zion in Every single way affects the affects the the, the floor and fl- affects the game. We saw that against the Virginia, where he's literally flying from the right elbow, going to the left corner and blocks a shot. Like yeah. that, he that wide open for shot. If anyone else <laughs> to block a three point shot, basically, mm-hmm. it was it's incredible. Insane. How about the comeback game? The leadership mm-hmm. that he instilled in that game. You know, obviously, Coach K went out there. I was like, I don't coach losers. I love I that like, post game where he said line, that. Great <laughs> line, great line. But it took the effort out of the guys on the floor. And Ja was one of those leaders who pushed the rest of his team. Pushed the rest of his team to get better. You mean Zion? That game. Yeah, Zion. I'm yeah, sorry. You I'm said job. Job. You're right. <laughs> Zion. You think of Jaleel. Jaleel hasn't been at Duke for a while, Dave. Been a bit. <laughs> been Anyways, a bit. Uh, no, there is no argument for John Morant over no. Zion Williamson. If you're trying to make it, it it's, uh, it's a hot take. You're just wrong at this point. And you're no, you're just wrong. wrong. It's not a hot take. Um, you're just wrong. All right. Well, I can't argue that. Uh, I'm let's... the biggest jaw lover of the group, and I'll even admit, like it's it's one, and then it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move to two, though, because there is a little bit of a difference, mm-hmm. and there is an argument. Uh, Nick's, I have him going with R.J. Barrett. Dave has him going with R.J. Barrett. Ricky, coming with the Cam Reddish heat. People, yeah. not, there, there's a lot of and, people and online who e- don't even think he's top five or and I'm not, e- And I'm one of those people where I'm not super high on Cam Reddish. But Why do you have him at two? What? Because what? a mock draft is different than, like, on a big board, he's not going to be two. He's not even going to be three on a big board for me. But... Here, listen to me when it comes to the Knicks. I'm listening. There is going to be some political games being played if you are the Knicks in this draft. If you don't get the number one pick and you're not going Zion, you got two things you got to worry about. Number one, Ja Morant, because you were really big on why I didn't have Ja going number two. Mm-hmm. Well, number one, the Kristaps trade changes that. You now have Dennis Smith Jr. Are you just going to draft a John Morant. That's one decision that you have to make. I'm going to answer it really quickly and honestly. Yes, look at Dallas. That's the I, reason why Dennis Smith Jr. is on the Knicks. Well, there's a reason why I traded for him, and I have Frank on this team, too. I don't need a third point guard to kind of create a log jam there. That's number one. Okay. Number two, the thing is, and this kind of also plays into the Ja thing as well, New York's got bigger things on the mind. They're not worried about, like, of course they want to tank for Zion. That is the goal. But their biggest cash prize and why they put Mitch Robinson on the season ticket website to renew season tickets, they got Kevin Durant on the mind. They got Kyrie Irving on the mind. They've got big free agents. And I looked at it. Number one, Ja. I'm not going to bring him in. I've got two point guards that I'm assuming they are happy with Dennis Smith and Frank. And then number two, why would I bring in a guy who's got the Mamba mentality that R.J. Barrett says he has when I'm going to potentially target Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, who are also could be ball-dominant guys? That doesn't mesh with me. Let me go with the kid that's shown some good flashes and have had some good games 
who doesn't have to be ball dominant in Cam Reddish. The NBA draft happens before NBA free agency. I know. So if you but... go out, if you go out and mm-hmm. you're saying, if you if you're saying we are doing the strategy mm-hmm. of taking the worst player out of the you know there's there's three there's two other better players available for sure other better players and RJ Barrett and, and John Morant on the on the table you are going to pass them up just because you might have a chance to sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving that's the what thing. if you do like, not get them you just took it's, the worst player it's a gamble. and you did not get it, it, it's, it's, a, a it's a stupid gamble I don't think why it's not, a stupid why, gamble why not take RJ Barrett and then just trade him away if you sign Kyrie Irving and jo- uh, Kevin Durant it's literally could, what the, the, the Cavs did with uh, Wiggins you Wiggins. could do that but for me in what, my what's sense what's the last best Cam would be the one they've on picked the, up we've had this argument before like the whole thing of just because they haven't had a free agent go there yep. doesn't mean Kevin Durant for sure is not going to go there I think in my mind, Kevin Durant will be a New York Knick next year. That is why I what put is Cam Reddish at number two. Besides it's rumors. just a feeling I have. Like I know I have a feeling he's not going to re-sign with Golden State. He's bored with all of that, and I feel like he is Winning going to be so enticed. He's going to be enticed to go to New York to try to do something that no one else has done. That's why I have Cam Reddish over a jaw over an arm. Man, you know, I like really staying under 240 pounds, and another ring's just going to really outweigh me. I'm going to be around 242, and it's going to be really pushing my pressure. Come on. Like, yes, you can go to New York and do something no one's ever done. But also, how many players who are going to be Hall of Famers are going into the Hall of Fame with four-plus rings? If Mm -hmm. he stays in Golden State, he's going to get five rings. How many guys can say that? The last player to do it and retire with that many rings or that level of rings, I think, was Kobe Bryant, right? Am I I wrong with that? Tim Duncan was at four. But he's all, like, like Kevin Durant has also made comments, too, where... He's giving off the vibe of ring chasing is not what he's going to do. Like, because if he's he wins, ring chasing, but, he's no, just no, no. winning. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he stays in Golden State, it's how many rings can Five I get? For Whereas in okay. his mind, it's not how many rings can I get. It's I need to be better than LeBron when it's all said and done. And how do you do that? You do something that LeBron has never done, that nobody has ever done. I think bring a champion, like bring a championship in so long to New York. Like, we rag on how long New York hasn't been without. And it's closer to home. I just have a feeling. Do I know Kevin Durant? Do I know for sure if it's going to happen? No. But I just have a feeling that's going to happen. And in this mock, I was looking at going, if I'm getting Durant and then hopefully I'm getting Kyrie, Cam Reddish is the guy I would pair with them, not RJ, not John Morant. No, that's understandable. That if you had Kyrie Irving Mm -hmm. and Kevin Durant on a team, you would want a player like Cam Reddish. Also, however, to to just combat that a little bit, Cam Reddish is horrible at catch and shooting. So that's most likely what he'd be doing. He's not the worst. He's like 26% shooting on catch and shoots. Uh, He's not not that great at doing it. He's better better with the ball in his hands. So if he's better with the ball in his hands, then why why would you draft him with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant? You know what? He's not going to see the ball. He will see the ball. Come on. Do you see? Do you see what the Celtics are doing right now? When Kyrie's out They're there, not even first. their third options getting touches, their fourth options getting touches, but that's their also fifth Brad options Stevens getting touches. That's a different coach. I understand. That's a different system. I know. Grit and grind, baby. Grit and grind I'm in just, New York, though. I'm just saying that with they got room. if if you're if you're picking it too. My argument is you got to take ten. I'm cool if you think that Cam is a better prospect than RJ. If that's your argument, fine, because Cam athletically is. Superior to RJ Barrett. I don't think anyone's going to mm-hmm. argue that. But also, potential wise, he could be special. And that's something we talked about very early in the season. I know he hasn't lived up to that. This has been a kind of bounce back month for him 
from a draft stock perspective at least, he's played better in recent performances, but it's still to the point of like, do you think he still has that Paul George high end to him? And you could make the argument that R.J. Barrett at you know at his worst could be Tim Hardaway Jr. all over again. And see, that's the thing where like, for me, I feel like one and two, and this is me going into big board mindset right now, not mock draft, because yes, teams like, if I have five point guards on my team, I'm not going to draft another one. I know that no team has five point guards, but I'm just making that statement there. I think the have five under contract right now. The thing that I would look at if I'm going big board, not mock draft, yeah. Zion and Ja yeah. are one, two. Cam and RJ, I don't know really which one I would want to put. like Because RJ, on his great nights, yep. has what you want, that Mamba mentality, oh, as he, he said. He and takes when he's over games. Clicking on all cylinders, that is what you want, a player who can take over a game. Yeah. But when he is not, I don't want him on my team. But when Cam Reddish is clicking, he's a player that I'm like, man, I would really like on my team. And the thing with Cam that I keep seeing is like when Zion is off the floor yep. and it's just like Cam and RJ, yep. Cam looks better. I'm like, wow, like in the St. John's games I'm watching, it's like Zion's on the floor. I'm like, man, Cam's not looking too good. Then Zion goes to the bench. He had like fouls or whatever the reason was. And then I'm like, all right, Cam's playing a lot better. And I'm like, oh, wait, Zion's not on the floor. Why the Florida State yeah, game? Well, it's because he touches the, the floor. ball more. And that's the thing. So with Duke, it's... And that's the thing. If he plays with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, he's going to touch the ball less than if he plays on the Cavs with Colin Sexton. I see. I don't think so. Because I think How? that... Who else is touching the ball at the Cavs besides so Cam Reddish and Colin Sexton? You're telling you're me... You're going to give the ball to Jordan Clarkson? It's all about the system then at that point. Like, what can... It's all on Fizdale at that point. You look at the Warriors. They have how many All-Stars? They all touch the ball. No one is, like, yeah, there might the be Warriors games and where... And how many teams like the Warriors have there been in, the, in NBA no, history? No, I'm just saying, like, that's where Kevin Durant is, so that's where I talk about him. Look about with Boston, with Kyrie. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum seem to be doing just fine Wangs with Kyrie. Jalen Brown was literally... People were talking about him falling off the cliff well, that's for the past he for the first three months. He role on the bench, okay, and he was he hurt, did. but... But he I'm, also had he had a hand injury. I'm just saying, you bring up Jalen Brown. He he also has been fined for I'm the past him. two weird. games. <laughs> What's that? I'm defending Jalen Brown. Yeah, after we bashed him, like I'm on a weird Celtics role as of late. Uh, Ricky, I think I want to hit you back mm-hmm. with the the your, your line for R.J. Barrett. You got to go basic, bitch. If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my best. Mm-hmm. And I think that's R.J. Barrett is like at his worst, he's an inefficient chunker, chucker. But at his best, he takes over games. He has some clutchness to it, and he has a desire. Like, he has that factor to him. And with that, we keep talking about, you know, Cam Reddish's high point, and we're not talking about his low point. Yeah. And the only thing that we've brought up for R.J. Burrett is his low point. You're saying mm-hmm. Tim Hardaway Jr., right? I mean, with, I just, because of New York, I want to make well, that yeah, comp. But, but you're, yeah, but the low point that you brought up was yeah. R.J. Barrett, and we haven't talked about his high point. With Cam Reddish, we've only talked about his high point being Paul George. If we have to compare R.J. Barrett to his highest high, the mm-hmm. highest possible high he can be, I'm not saying he would ever reach this. I'm not saying that it's touchable because yeah. he's one of the top 10 players of all time. We're talk- we keep saying Mamba mentality, right? So I'm just saying, like, if, if we're saying top, top, then, I mean, that would be Kobe. So who would you rather have, Kobe or Paul George? I mean, if out of those players, Kobe. yes, Kobe. But the thing that you got to think about, and I do— I'm not, yes. say, I'm not saying he, RJ would be is going to be Kobe, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying Cam is going to be Paul George. But you, but the, 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 the we keep saying Mamba thing. mentality. If he yes, hits his peak your, of Mamba mentality, yes, your thing of like, oh, I'll draft RJ, and then if I get Durant and Kyrie, I'll trade RJ. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can do that. But for the sake of this mock draft, we don't do that. 
So because we don't do that, that's why I have Cam Reddish going to But that's still a bad—you can still defend—if you think R.J. Barrett's a better prospect and would give you more trade value, then why you could still pick him in a mock draft and say, this is—like, you could still—I'm picking him with the mentality mm-hmm. that I'm going to trade him. You could still do that. Yeah, no, but we don't do trades, and therefore— Yes, but the trade— even even It's not even a draft night trade. Keeps, that's the thing. Is, that's my Reddish. point. It's not a draft night trade. Yeah. You have to sign Kyrie and Katie first. I've got a surprise so coming up later that's drive. assuming a trade's going to happen. No, but I mean, like, there's that, but I mean, I have that too. But I mean, so with this one— thing. I looked at it and I went into the mind of the Knicks and I said, I'm not going to go that route and I'm going to go with the route knowing and being a little bit stubborn of, yes, we are going to get these guys. And that's why I didn't go RJ. All right. Um, I think RJ would be a great fit in New York because I don't think he's going to, they're going to sign KD and, and Kyrie Irving. And even if they do, they can trade him and get a bigger haul than they can for, for Cam Reddish. Um, that's the way I'm defending it. RJ has we're gonna, a higher, better going to paint your face blue and orange if he signs this year? We're going to do that if, if, like last if, year? If, if, the New, <laughs> if the New York Knicks sign Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I'll do it. I'll okay. Care. If they sign both of them and both players, not two superstars, mm-hmm. if they sign both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. I will buy an Allen Houston Knicks jersey. Can, can we shave your eyebrow? Just <laughs> one. And we could shave, we could shave, we could shave two clips off my eyebrows. They have to be even, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go no. pretty in. No, I'm, I'm not going doing that. I'm doing eyebrows. I'm no. going like top down I'll do, a chunk. I'll do something with my facial hair. I'm not doing something with my eyebrows. Eyebrows and facial hair. No, like facial, <laughs> face, I will, beard. We'll, we'll negotiate terms. Yeah. You want to shave I, both I will your do, eyebrows? And we, no, can pick, we, can pick, we can pick a worse Knicks player than Allen Houston because Allen, Allen Houston was yeah, like, I mean, we'll kind of decent. Exactly. We'll we, find somebody. We can pick an Eddie Curry. I'll do an Eddie Curry Knicks jersey. Of course, you're just knocking on the Bulls while knocking on the Knicks. I see what you're doing. <laughs> I'm trying to think of bad I Knicks players. You. Like, who else would be a bad Knicks player? Uh, Kuzmakis. What was his name? Mindaugas Kuzmakis? Yeah, I'll pick up. Fucking get Kuzminskis? Kuzma- I think I, I can't pronounce get, his name. I'll get his bum-ass jersey. <laughs> Come Jesus. on. Uh, anyways, I think RJ would be... Yeah. If, if you're talking I about... Like, I like RJ. I think the case is still there, though, for Cam being his equal at times. Like, upside considered, I think they're very close. I really do. I know you want to make the, the Paul George versus Kobe comparison, but, like, I think they both have a relatively uh, close upside. And I, I think on the downside, mm-hmm. if Cam gets better at catch-and-shoot... He's already great defensively. He can guard two through four. Yeah. RJ can't stay locked in two through four like he can. So mm-hmm. you get a more versatile player well, in Cam Reddish. Yeah, and that, that's why the If Kobe, his shot's not falling, he's still able to contribute at a high the level. Kobe thing doesn't work at all. Yeah, uh, cause Kobe because Kobe was all defense. Yeah, Kobe was a great defender. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, th- th- and clearly Cam has that upside on him. And there there isn't really a comparison for RJ Barrett. Uh, because he's like worse level Kobe, but I think he's better than a Tim Hardaway Jr. Like he's yeah, he's a, he's, mean, a, he's, a, he's a one, but he's not. A one to that. Level. I literally I don't know. picked him Hardaway just because of the Knicks. Yeah, but I don't but. know. I don't know what player type he would be. Like you know, kind of a poor defender, but not super efficient like a Kevin Durant, but a scorer like Kevin Durant, like on, on the wing. Because um, I don't like, know. I don't know yeah. what wings there are, like slashing wings that do that well. Um, it's fair. Maybe LeBron scoring only. Man, some big shoes to fill. But uh, LeBron that scoring only. <laughs> That's why. Because like LeBron, LeBron brings a whole package of. Yeah. Leadership. He brings the whole package of rebounding, assist, passing. The only um, thing I would throw I'm out there was because he's because LeBron's not the most efficient shooter. I mean, you could say Carmelo Anthony esque. Okay, I wouldn't hate that, but he, but I think Melo is a better scorer. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but RJ's a better driver. Yeah, RJ's better. Yeah, like, Melo, Melo had that fucking RJ, step back. Yeah, Melo jab step, jab also step, bigger jab step, jab step. Yeah, jab step. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. Is, like, there's, there, I don't think there's a, a clear. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's not, they're, and there never will be. Yeah. Um, any final thoughts on the Knicks, though? No, I just Anymore. think that theirs is going to be very interesting because if they don't get one, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I agree. Yeah, I I disagree with Cam Reddish going too. Anyways, uh, let's go to the Cavs. Uh, I have them going John Morant. Uh, Dave, you have them going Cam Reddish. Ricky, you have them going RJ Barrett. Obviously, um, you already kind of talked about it a little bit. Yeah. Um, at least you guys didn't have him going John Morant, and I know you guys both like John Morant better than you like Cam Reddish and RJ Barrett both. Um, so at least talk about why the Cavs wouldn't go with the John Morant, because I have him going with John Morant, so why wouldn't the Cavs go John Morant? I don't know if they're willing to dive back to the well to get another point guard the following year. And again, this is something that I know I might get crucified for, because it's like, how early can you give up on a prospect? Mm-hmm. And what we've seen so far out of Colin Sexton has been good, but not good enough to win them games, obviously. Uh, I understand that team is obviously hurting with, obviously, the injuries from Kevin Love, but also the constant turnover, and their intention is to lose games at the end of the day anyway. Mm-hmm. So, man's restrictions are hilarious. But, with that being said, I don't know that they give up on Colin Sexton early enough. He is still, he's good with the ball in his hands. Defensively, he's engaged. I like what he can do, but I, I just don't know that they want to go ahead and make a redundant pick and then have to try to make a move a la the Mavs, what they were able to do to get rid of Dennis Smith Jr. I don't know if they'd be nearly as successful, obviously. I mean, that was striking gold, potentially, getting mm-hmm. KP there. Well, but... and plus, Gilbert is stubborn. Yeah. So like, I... he's not going to admit that he was wrong on a prospect. I believe they would go to try to fill out that uh, roster starting lineup first. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Jetty's been good, but he, he's by far the worst player uh, on that world game. I don't know if you guys watched the... Uh, World versus USA mm-hmm. no. during the All Star break, but yeah, he was terrible. He was like the only bad player in that there. Uh, I feel bad for saying that, but he was. He was. So I think they go for wing. That that's their clear need right now. They've got another pick later in this draft. So go for a guy like Cam Reddish. He's got upside. He's not redundant in any aspect. He's someone who, if he gets, if he is better with the ball in his hands, he could take over this Cavs team and help lead them to you know building a young group going forward. And I want to see another year out of Cam, out of Colin Sexton still. Honestly, I don't know that I'm ready to give up on him. I'm not super high on him at the same time, though. So it's kind of kind of a mixed feelings. I don't know that I would take that dive. Yeah. Yeah, and like mine was the same thing, where first I thought that Gilbert's not stubborn enough to say, oh, I know I drafted a point guard last year, but I'm going to go with this point guard. Like that in his mind would be saying, I was wrong last year, and he wouldn't want to do that. Number two... Uh-oh. You got to look at the point guards they're still going to have under contract next year. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you don't do is draft a John Morant or a Colin Sexton and expect them to be the backup. And one of them would have to be the backup. And then you've got Jordan Clarkson still there. You've got Del Vadova that you trade for. You've got Brandon Knight. When Dave was right, the wings are there. And for me, the Mamba mentality is there. That would be perfect for Cleveland because then you can still have Colin Sexton there. And you have a guy who can be the face of your franchise in R.J. Barrett. They took on, uh, what's his face, Delhi because they wanted to get George Hill's contract off. And yeah. Delhi was a cheaper contract. But and they Bucks still didn't want have him. him. Um, yeah, but that doesn't mean you're going to, you're fine benching him. Uh, same with Brandon Knight. Jordan Clarkson is uh, on the books next year, but he's better as a six man anyways. Um, I think that, and JR's not going to be on the team most likely next year. Uh, Nawaba's contract's up. Stouts' contract's up. Um, so I think that you can draft John Morant and still start Colin Sexton. Now it's going to be a small backcourt because um, you're both playing guys who are under six uh, six three. Or John Morant's I think right now um, at six three um, might clock in at six four or six five with shoes or something like that. But yeah, um, 
I think you can play both guys on the floor. Also, Dan Gilbert's not making the choices. It's mm-hmm. uh, good old Colby Altman. And I think the biggest thing with that is you look at when they drafted Colin Sexton, and yes, they took him eighth overall. Um, but that also wasn't their pick. And they really needed to take a person there because this was a young team, young asset. They're not going to trade that young asset. This wasn't like a team you're building a team around LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Let's play, take the best player uh, available. It was at the time. What, at the time, it was. Yeah, but remember, I think it was, remember, it was a draft. Yeah, Colin but, Sexton. Let's go win but, one, LeBron. But let's go talk about the. Yeah, okay, but that's Colin Sexton's idea. I'm just saying. There were, but there were. But they they needed a point guard on that LeBron team. Mm-hmm. They drafted a point guard. But I think they also were doing it with the backup plan in mind of LeBron might not be coming here. Let's take the best player available. And I think most if people agree at the time. I don't know if he was the best player available. Who do you think would make the argument? I think most of us had him. Colin Sexton mock there because I think most of us thought he was at least the best fit and player at that time. I think uh, you looking looking I mean, back, obviously there, there can be an argument yeah. uh, for some players. Um, like Kevin Knox, obviously was an interesting player. Um, then I think uh, Shea Gilgis was an interesting player there. Yeah. But I think you know they were going to go point guard anyways uh, because they got they, they traded Kyrie. Um, but even then, I think they they thought Colin Sexton could be the next at least guy at some point, or at least be a next part of the, the, the team that they're growing. Yeah. Um, Had they, they known LeBron was leaving, do you think they would have taken a shot at a Kevin Porter Jr.? Michael Porter? Michael Porter Jr.? No, yeah. because I think of his back injury. Yeah, but I mean, that's what I'm saying. If if they knew LeBron wasn't coming back, do you think they'd take a shot? And like, If he was coming we back, get, We can get a draft pick, and then we're going to tank again and get another top pick without even having to do anything. No, because I think you wanted a player hmm. that would help you at in, at some point, and you don't know well, if, if Michael Porter Jr. was going to help enough. you at some point. I just think if you're if you're a gambling man, that, that could be an interesting proposition. I knowing just, if I just you had think known that LeBron that wasn't their, that that wasn't their pick. Yep, they needed to make that Kyrie trade look somewhat decent. Yep. So let's take the best player that we think is on the mm-hmm. board. Let's take Colin Sexton, and yes, maybe you know LeBron stays and he's got a point guard to work with. Yeah. Um, but also, I mean, it, we weren't really thinking that. Count Sexton and LeBron James are going to work together anyways because Count Sexton could play off ball. Yeah, no, um, who's a bench defensive point guard? I think it was a pretty much an idea of if LeBron st- stays, maybe we can move him for a, a piece, um, like what the it Knicks was the should be. Talk, yeah, yeah, what the Knicks should be doing with uh, you know the KD and Kyrie Irving possibility. Um, so I think they were just forced to take a trade because they got that from the Celtics trade. Um, they took Count Sexton. I don't think they're in love with Count, uh, mm-hmm. Count Sexton. And I think that if you're in love with a player, you need to take him. And right now, I'm in love with John Morant. If John Morant's on the board at three, there's no way I'm passing him up, especially if Count Sexton's on the board. Let's look at what just happened with Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. They took him the year prior. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're not exactly the same player position. And, and uh, Count Sexton and John Morant have more of an overlap. But that doesn't mean that you pass up on that talent just because you have a guy who may be less talented but just plays the same position. Talent's talent. You don't pass up talent. John Morant's the pick for me. Well, what's funny is I'm looking at last year's. um, The last 6.0, so where we ended Mm -hmm. individually before the draft happened, David 8 had Colin Sexton um, going to the Cavs. I had 8 had Trey Young because Colin Sexton didn't go until 11 for me. That's because I had some weird trades going on in the top. Yeah, 6.0. Um, the, lie, the Cavs weren't at 10. The Cavs were at 8. But I had them at, yeah, they were at 8. My 6.0 has the Cavs at 10. Because I'll get to that. Okay. Um, that was you the lucky one. You had a trade where mm. the 76ers trade with the Cavs. Gotcha. Sixers took Mikhail Bridges at 8. Cavs took Miles Bridges at uh, uh, at 10. And you had Count Sexton going at 11. So you yeah. were the one that was like, nope, Cavs don't need a point guard. Like, Cavs shouldn't go point guard when Dave and I mm-hmm. were on the point guard train for last year. 
So I mean, so. and that like, and you look at the actual you were draft. High on Bridges and him being mm-hmm. a you know future forward for this team moving forward. I Which get it. you look at who they could have taken: Kevin Knox, Mikhail Bridges. Shea was kind of like I would say a little high for the Charlotte's. I didn't expect him to go at eleven. I did, and yeah. then Miles Bridges. Like those were the next four taken after Colin Sexton. Where Cleveland, the point and is, you Porter made this Jr. pick. Well, and Porter Jr., but the injury, we didn't know who was going to take a stab at him the night of draft. I think the reason why I didn't go point guard last year Mm -hmm. for the Cavs was because I thought LeBron was going to stay. Yeah. Um, And then that Miles Miles Bridges was going to Mm -hmm. be able to play off ball. Yeah. And then, you know, not only shooting, but also driving. And Mm -hmm. then I ended up taking two guards anyways uh, in Shamit and Diallo to the Cavs because with that trade, they ended up getting uh, good picks. Yeah. Kogi went 30. Eight to the Kings. That would have been nasty. And just one last thing to kind of think about, and this is kind of minutes-wise, and why I would go with an RJ over a John Morant is right now this year, yes, Jordan Clarkson is their sixth man, but he's averaging 27 a minute, and he's their leading scorer. You've got Colin Sexton, who's starting, averaging 30, like he should as a starter, but then it's what what's after that. Like right now, Brandon Knight in three games is averaging 14 minutes. You're going to bring in... Ja, and he's going to take up minutes. Is that going to cut into Clarkson's minutes? Are you going to take Doesn't the matter. fourteen from? Like I think it does. It, Why? Because you're a te- you're a young team that you right now. Brandon Knight's on that on, on your team right now because mm-hmm. he just needed to fill salary space. He has space. a bad contract. Yeah, yeah fill yes. salary space, and you got uh, I'm saying you got it, picks for it. I'm saying it matters in the sense of between Clarkson, Ja, then and Sexton because first off, Sexton and Ja. They both need time out there on the court in the right situations. I don't know if you're going to play both of them together, but they need to be out there in the right situations. They're both going to start. Too mature. And then you've got Jordan Clarkson, who's obviously playing well, and you're going to put him out there. Clarkson's likely will, though. Like He's Mm -hmm. forever six man. He'll get his minutes. I'm not worried about that. How do you think the pairing works, though, with Colin Sexton and John Morant together? I would be interested in it because I think it's going to be the same thing that we talked about with Luka and Dennis Smith Jr. last year of can Dennis Smith Jr. play off ball when Luka's controlling the ball. And it clearly turned out that they couldn't. It wasn't a a great pairing. And Dennis Smith Jr., I think, wanted the ball more in his hands and he wasn't getting those opportunities. But Luka Doncic was that talent that just exceeded the potential. He was a better ball handler. Um, Yeah, he was a better ball handler, better facilitator, better better basketball player. Absolutely. Um, And I think, again, it doesn't really matter of how are you going to try to fit them it's just can they fit and if they don't fit who's the better talent and move away from them and and if they do fit then great we have two great guards yeah um and i think that so far colin sexton has impressed me a little bit with how well of a shooter he has been i thought he was going to be much worse than what he is I'm not saying that he's a great shooter at all um but he, you know shooting 39 percent on three attempts per game is much better than I thought. I mean, I think he's True. being selective with his shots. Yeah. Um, and I think having a, a better creator than you have on this team right now, and John Morant, um, will even open up those lanes a little bit more for Colin Sexton to get even more open threes. Um, so I think that playing him as a two guard would be interesting. Um, and I think John Morant would then have to cover uh, twos defensively just because I think he's quicker and I bigger. Mean, I just um, put uh, Colin on whoever's better, like offensively, because Colin's a great defender. That's, mm-hmm. that's the thing, like, Ja is athletic, yes, but like Colin Sexton is built like a bull. Just, like I go back to the like bull in a china shop for Colin yeah, Sexton. Yeah, I'm just He's worrying still just size wise, physically mm-hmm. built. And so. I, but I'm worrying size wise, and then also I think something that Ja has over Colin Sexton is anticipation of jumping lanes. He does. And if we're talking about does. ones, 
uh, Count Sexton manning up ones and then having Joff playing off ball a little bit more to possibly create more transition pieces yeah. uh, in transition plays. I think that would be something that I, w- I would definitely look at. Could be look at. yeah. Um, and also having the bigger body in John Morant, I know obviously like, at least taller and lengthwise, uh, closing out shooters might be a little bit easier for him compared to Sexton, who might be better on ball, uh, but how would he do off ball going around screens? So yeah. I think defensively it would be an interesting pair. And then I think at least, you know, they can switch off with ball handling abilities, but also John Morant's a better passer than he is. So I think yeah. maybe the transition would be Count Sexton to an offensive two guard. Yeah, I mean, but who who cares anyway? Because the the Cavs are going to be back at the top <laughs> of the draft next Cavs year. Suck. They're, well, it doesn't matter. Right back. Well, and that's why for me it comes down to just the crux of it. And with you answering that and saying yes, they could be out there at the same time. Mm-hmm. For me, I know in mine RJ is still there, and your guys it's not. But for me, it's all right, RJ's still there. If I can play Ja and Count Sexton at the same time, why not go get a wing in RJ? And if I can play Ja yeah. with Sexton, well, I'll play RJ the, with Sexton if, instead. If the Knicks go with Ja Morant at two, mm-hmm. um, and they, you know they don't think Kyrie's going to come there, uh, or any uh, for Asian guard, then yeah. I mean, if 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 the possibility of Kyrie Irving mm-hmm. like is not there, and they like Ja better, then they would take the Knicks would take Ja one, and then. Clearly, John Moran, or R.J. Barrett would slide to three. But let's yeah. be like, real, again, boys. John Moran's going to the Bulls at four. He is. You guys yeah. are he's such a fucking homer pick. <laughs> I mean, uh, Dave's. It you're you're admitting it. it makes sense. For I the can't Bulls. not giggle. You're admitting it. When I look at the draft, I, I I made my points. I think the Knicks would be better off with R.J. Barrett. Who? So do I. Yeah. You don't have to argue yep. that. Cavs. I like going for a wing prospect because I don't know. I'm, I've not given up on context and I don't love him, mm-hmm. but I'm afraid that if they did pick him up, pick up John Morant, they would have a tr- they would have a more of a problem, less of a return on their investment on Colin Sexton than what Dennis Smith Jr. did for the Mavs. Which makes me chuckle, because out of the three of us, I think you are the... Aren't you the lowest on yeah, Colin Sexton? I really don't like Colin Sexton, <laughs> like, at all. But I don't... I mean, even this season, you're like, yeah. eh, I'm not convinced on Colin yeah. Sexton. He, he's garbage Kemba. Mm-hmm. Like, right? So that's where I'm like, I don't know that they would get enough back. And I know that's me being, you know, mm-hmm. picking fits and okay, trying to trying to plan this out more than we can the, possibly plan it. The whole... But not RJ Barrett enough. on a high-usage bad team... Would be a stud, mm-hmm. and I think Cam Reddish on a high usage bad team, stud as well. And I think that's the thing that no one has seen yet. You don't think RJ Barrett or uh, John Morant would be a stud as well? Well, we're watching it right now. Yeah, that's what. I'm but saying. he's got. A, that's the problem is they've got three guards who are competent enough to warrant minutes. He would not be out there playing thirty four minutes a night. That that's my thing. Is like, I know you could probably want to take away some of those minutes, okay. but you wouldn't get the return on investments from Colin Sexton. So I'm going for go for Cam. See what he can do as the you know best player on a bad team. I think they're going to move Kevin Love, but let me let me yeah. ask you this: You're the Knicks, yep. right? Yep. Clean slate, clean roster. Yep. You have the number two pick, Zion Williamson, off the board. Who are you taking? If I've got no one on my roster, no one on your roster. No one. No, there's the, this is you're just starting fresh. NBA's brand new. These are the kids that, that you have to start. John Morant. Thank you, because that's a big board pick. We'll yeah, John Morant. Who do you think? Who do you think is the second most talented player in the? It's the John draft. Morant. Okay, it's my big board number two. Right. I mean, but we've both said that. I even said but, John but Morant I'm, would be I'm number also, two on I'm, my I'm big board. I'm bringing this up because on this podcast, mm-hmm. we have Davis brought up the fact that it's the NBA draft. It yeah. doesn't matter about need. It doesn't matter about fit. 
you take potential, especially when they're this high. And you know, so I just, I just want to make that clear. It's not, it doesn't matter. It's how it weighs out. You have to factor those things in. And I I swear to God, I've given you guys enough lectures on this. I'm not doing it again this episode. I'll help you out with this one. And the reason why is I've said it. I just think that you guys both want to jam around in the bowl. I do. With me, it honestly. Enough to flip it. (laughs) Sean, you know me. I am a homer to where if that was the case and I really wanted Morant to the bowls, I would tell you. Oh. I would tell you that's what I did, but I was not. With me, it was number two. At first, I thought about Jot one for like three seconds, like I said. I was like, ooh, they do need a point guard. Could they do it over Williamson? And then I looked at their team and went, no. You, like, you could play Zion and DeAndre Ayton together, so you're getting Zion. Then with the Knicks, you tra- like the Kristaps trade is the crux of it, where you go ahead and get a point guard. You don't give up your point guard. So now you have two point guards from the same draft that obviously I'm expecting you to like those two guys if you kept one and traded the other. Plus, you're going to want to go out and get, like, Katie's on the mind. Kyrie might be a little bit fainter than Kevin Durant because there's also that Laker kind of, could he go to the Lakers? Could he stay with Boston? I go with Cam Reddish only because of the Kevin Durant stuff, and that's why I went with Cam Reddish there. Then the Cavs, I just drafted a point guard last year. I'm going to go with R.J. Barrett, who's going to be dominant, and that's why the Bulls I'm just saying the fact that the two Bulls fans Mm -hmm. who both love John Morant shockingly have the player that I think both, who's on their big boards at two, have them going to four to their team. I'm just saying it's suspicious. Should That's I have, have him go to five to the Hawks? Should I have flipped that really him and <laughs> Yeah, I'm just, I'm just saying the fact that you're saying I'd take him at one, but he's going to fall the four to my team. I'm just saying it's, it, and you're, you're, you're a person who's, who's just mm-hmm. hoping the Bulls land at number one at the lottery if they don't. I do. Oh, number two, we get John Morant. Like, I do the, your your thought is it's Zion at one, and if not, it's hopefully we get John Morant. Well, and so so even if even if the Bulls are at two, you're mm-hmm. not putting Cam Reddish there. Even if the Bulls land at two, you're not putting RJ mm-hmm. Barrett there. You're putting John Morant there. So I'm just saying, I'm not but saying that you guys our team did this. Is different than I'm not, the Cavs and the Knicks. I, I'm not, and I'm not, our outlook is different. Our fragrance picture is different. Well, here, and, and that's why I'm saying I'm not saying you guys did it on pers- mm-hmm. purpose. I'm just saying. What a coincidence. I did. Well, I actually have a question. <laughs> thank you. I, I opened a, up my draft. And I went, John Rat Bulls, done. I have a question for you, Zion then, Sean, because what? since you had Ja going before, and this is a question I have had with the Bulls since, like, the Otto Porter trade, now that it seems like should point guards back? are main one. No, not trade back. Okay. If Ja's off the board, should we look at it and go, you know what? I like Darius Garland. Let's take Garland at four no, instead of a camera. Chris Dunn is still... There and you still have a point guard that is fairly young, um, and Cam Reddish is a better player than Darius Garland is. I thought about that, um, and yes, Garland's an interesting prospect, but Cam Reddish is not hurt. Uh, Darius Garland is, and Cam Reddish is a six nine forward who mm-hmm. we've already talked about already is uh, the you know has the ability Crazy to create potential. with his hands uh, with the ball in his hands. He has the ability to play great defense. Um, he can be a plus when you know Zach where Zach Levine really isn't. Uh, Zach Levine's a crazy uber athletic player who has the ability to score, um, but I think Cam Reddish has more of an ability to be a team player rather than a stat pattern. I'm not saying Zach Levine is, and even if he is a stat pattern, he's one of the best in the league. Um, but he Cam Reddish does provide the ability of you know great length, great size, great versatility at a very needed position. And some people bring up the fact that they just got Otto Porter, and that could be a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of a uh, what, what would say? Uh, overlap 
I guess, in, in player types. Yeah. Um, especially with Otto Porter, what he's been do- doing so far with the Bulls, mm-hmm. with the ball in his hands. Looking um, great. However, Otto Porter has also shown that he can play off-ball and can be a great, efficient three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think having him, Cam, Levine, Chris Dunn, Markinen, and Wendell Carter Jr. would be a very formidable, talented team. So in your um, drafting, Cam to be your sixth man then? No. Right? No. No? I would move... Uh, yeah, I guess. Could you have um, Chris no, Dunn at the one? I'd probably have Otto Porter then come off the bench. Really? Yeah. Huh. Just go full Suns. Move Zach to the one. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been a decent passer. I mean, mm-hmm. what, he's averaging like five assists this game. I mean, I think even Cam Reddish could be an interesting <laughs> like, yeah. interesting ball handler, too. Um, I think that yeah. what it would be, it would be Otto Porter probably coming off the bench and getting like 31 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, obviously, Chris Dunn getting less minutes and mm-hmm. uh, Cam Reddish getting less minutes. But I, I don't think you can pass up the talent uh, differential that is there between Cam Reddish and Darius Garland just for fit. Um, I think that... You know, the fit is obviously clear there for guards, and that's why John Morant would be a perfect pick for the Bulls. I'm just saying that's why it's a coincidence that both the Bulls fans put John Morant there. Perfect uh, fit, and it works out sometimes. Mm-hmm. Wink, it works out, wink. especially when you're controlling it. <laughs> uh, but I, I just think that Reddish is just the more talented player, and yes, there's going to be difficulties working out the lineups, and that's why Jim Boylan shouldn't be the head coach. Uh, but I think Cam Reddish would be the smart pick for the Bulls. Um, obviously, you know, you're hoping John Morant or Zion Williamson. Uh, but even then with Zion, like, it's going to happen, too. If you pick Zion Williamson, you're going to have no problem moving out of Porter to the bench. Um, so I think you could do the same thing with Cam Reddish. If we're talking about him going possibly number two like you have him in the draft, mm-hmm. there's no reason why you wouldn't move out of Porter to the bench. Or we experiment and we move Wendell to the bench. That, too. Maybe. And have Markin at the uh, four, and then you put Otto at the uh, four. Sorry, Markin to the five, Otto to the four, and the Cam to the three. Because honestly, the That's thing that I'm... Or, is, you know, if we get number one, you Zion, same thing. You, mm-hmm. you rinse and repeat. I mean, you just... We, we haven't seen the core, f- you know, finished yet. So I think that saying anybody is a lock yet mm-hmm. yeah. at their position, no. I would say even, like, Levine's not a fluidity. lock. Levine's yeah. getting paid a ton, but I don't think Levine's a lock to be on this team long term. And yeah. I think Cam, you know, when you get a younger player on a cheaper contract with possibly higher upside who can play better on one end of the court already than the other player, then I think that definitely lends itself to be something that, you know, is up in the air to yeah, developing the it's core. It's very much a conversation. The core could be younger than it already is. I mean it could just be Cam, Markinen, and Wendell Carter, and then you have Levine and Chris Dunn as movable pieces. So mm-hmm. yep. I think that's my thoughts um with why Cam there. It's you've just also, it's just more talent. You've also intrigued my uh thought process. I know this is gonna be a discussion for a later date, but you've kind of blossomed it in my head right now. Possibly a hey, we're not sold on camera. Looking at your mock draft, are you talking about trading down? Yeah, we're not. You brought that up last. We're week, not up why. there. Hey, <laughs> Grizzlies. Hey, Washington. Do you guys like a Cam Reddish? And you even even if it's like a trade that the Mavericks and Hawks did, where we switch picks and get a protected. I one got next a deal year. for you actually uh, that you were throwing out last year. Um, I think it was uh, you can just trade Bobby Portis back to the Bulls um, and just do a uh, pick swap. Um, it was a joke. <laughs> Because that you mm-hmm. you would always want to have the Bulls and Grizzlies flip, and you would always yeah. include Bobby Portis like he's a valuable. But now asset. he's a wizard. Yeah, you trade him for a bad contract. <laughs> You're a wizard um, now. But yeah, I just. <laughs> You're a wizard, Bobby. <laughs> again, I, I think that the the top four is pretty solid because those guys are for sure the four best players in my mind. 
yeah. um, in this draft, and there's a pretty wide gap. We're talking about this being a bad draft. I think the for sure guys. Depth wise, yes. Yeah. Well, I think the for sure, like the four for sure guys mm. are clear, and it's Cam yep. Reddish, John Morant, RJ Barrett, Zion Williamson. And then once you get after that, it's like, are these guys going to be starters or are they going to be bench roles? Because I am not really sold on any of these guys lower uh, being what? stars. Um, like. So let's get into we'll that. See. I'm liking more and more of the guys the All more right. we we'll, look into it. Let's see. We look at five through ten. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these are the only guys we can look at, so maybe that's why you're liking them more yeah. and more um, and compared to the other guys that are on this draft. Uh, maybe that's why. But uh, let's talk about not really the the – picks and why they're going there. Uh, we all have Culver going to the Hawks. We have uh, Dave and I have Garland going to the uh, Grizzlies. Uh, Ricky, you have Hachimura going to the Grizzlies. Uh, we all have Hunter going to the Wizards. Pelicans, uh, we have uh, Dave has Langford. Uh, Ricky uh, has uh, Garland. I have Hachimura. Uh, Hawks taking Kelton Johnson. Uh, Bull Bull, Jackson Hayes. And then uh, for the Magic, uh, I have Romeo Langford. Ricky has Romeo Langford. And uh, Dave has Kelton Johnson. Uh, so let's just really talk about these guys because mostly all the guys are the same. I think you have Kelton Johnson, Ricky. Um, outside of your top 10, but outside mm-hmm. of that, everyone else is in the top 10. Also, Jackson Hayes is in your top 10, uh, as long as Bull Bull. But mostly, uh, it's Culver, Garland, Hunter, Hachimura, Johnson, and Langford as the uh, top 10 picks here, or the rest of the top 10. Um, which guy are you most sold on on star potential? Star Hachimura. potential? I'm going to say Rui Hachimura. He is a guy wow. to me that I know there's some people out there that are like, oh, I don't like him, but... I look at him, and he is a guy that, to me, I was itching my will nose. it I didn't be, raise my hand. Will like it be right away? No, but I could see it being like a. And throwing this name out there, I know people are going to go, "What?" But I'm going to do it anyways. Kind of like a Giannis, where when he there. was drafted, yeah. if you want to go hear Ricky's take on this, and but I'm just, Brian and Swanee Swansons. I'm just reiterating, where it's just a you catch me on the PTP. Hey. He's going to be drafted top 10, and hey, he's going to turn into something really good when most people were not that high on him. What What is it about that? Because there's obviously the age difference mm-hmm. that stands out, as well as the basketball experience, where Giannis was someone who, um, you know, professional basketball, he got yeah. into a little bit later in life than most NBA players, mm-hmm. and from a physicality standpoint like rail thin mm-hmm. like he needed to put in work to get to where he was to become a very good player where where i think a lot of people think Rui comes into the nba able to put up you know at least role player numbers you know he, he's able to contribute at day one to mm-hmm. a team so. i just for me the big thing is the one thing he's gonna have to work on a little bit more is the three-point shooting because like in the College right now, he's only averaging one a game. Yeah. Um, so if you're shooting 44%, but you're only shooting one a game. But it's just when he drives to the basket and his like driving ability to then kick it out, he also gets rebounds. And I know the kick out thing is Bricky, he's only got 1.7 assists, but like he's a guy that can get you points. He's going to get you rebounds. He's got that length. The thing you just need to work on him in my mind is the three-point shot, which I think he has a shot, so you can work on that, and the defensive side I of the game. I think the biggest difference there, though, is the fact that Giannis is much more of a better athlete, and we saw that even in, in Greece. But I'm not, and that's the thing, I'm not comparing the athlete to the athlete. I'm comparing the, when Giannis was drafted, no, but I'm saying, everyone was yeah. like, oh, he's not going to pan out, where this might be the same thing. But Giannis, I, the, the reason that... The, the reason there was doubt with Giannis was because of the lack of body of proof. The reason Rui's had three years in college. Yeah, yeah. the reasons are different. And but also I'm saying it's going to be a similar younger. outcome to where he will be not Giannis level, but 
a pro to where people are going to go, man, I didn't expect that to pan out. But but the reason why I'm just bring I'm bringing <laughs> up the fact that I think with Hachimura compared to Giannis, there was more time for Giannis to grow. There wasn't an expectation for him to grow mm-hmm. right away just because the Bucks took him as a project. Um, and even then, he he impressed way more than he you know, was expected to as, as the 15th pick. Um, and also, he was bigger. He's just, you know, he's, I think, three inches taller he's than Hachimura. Foot. Yeah, he's longer than uh, Hachimura as well. And he was just a better athlete. It's just the fact that you look at Giannis, and he was real thin, like Dave was already expecting. There's no room for Hachimura to grow physically. There was massive room for Giannis to grow physically, um, as we've seen. He looks like he's on roids. I'm mm-hmm. uh, not saying he is, but holy shit, that guy's jacked as hell. Um, I just don't think there's any much more room for Hachimura to grow physically, and I don't think he's going to become that level of an athlete Giannis is. I think we just didn't expect Giannis's ability to grow. Like, yes, Hachimura can grow his game out better. He can become a three point, a better three-point shooter. He can become a better defender, but I don't think he's ever going to be able to get that Giannis level because, yes, Giannis shocked us at, you know, his the ability for him to become a pro and a, a starter, but the fact that he's become this big of a star should be absolutely shocking. Um, just because you know he came from nowhere, um, and he just was a, a completely a complete project, and he came up and is now one of the best players in the NBA. I don't think Hachimura is ever going to reach that level, whether we think it or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe he becomes a starter, and I, I'll be wrong about that. But I don't think he's ever going to be a star like Giannis is. And that's the thing I'll just reiterate. Not saying he's going to be a star like Giannis. I'm just saying but, he's going to be, to me, he, I'm, I'm, he's I'm top 10 because is... he'll be a good enough pro to be on one of these teams and contribute to them. And the thing that you can look at is some of these teams might be looking for a forward. And for me, yes, he's a little older. He's 21. But those players, it's like you can, they're going to be closer to their prime door. It's like, okay. They don't need to work on a lot. There's a few things that obviously everyone's got stuff to work on, but he's closer to the prime and he comes in as an older player, kind of more of that veteran player coming out of college compared to a raw 18, 19 year old kid. I'll tell you the the one reason, and I'm the only person without Rui in my top 10 is I was close to not putting him there. I don't, I have my concerns about obviously his defense, but like what's his true position is he an undersized four? Is he an oversized three with bad feet? Like, where does he fit on your uh, modern NBA team? And that that's why I was I, I just kept looking. Like, I get it. You have basketball skills. Don't get me wrong. I still think you're one of the most talented players in this draft. But, mm-hmm. like, I look at him, and I just don't love the fit of him. And, and I, I, I hope to be surprised because he kind of – he kind of reminds me of, and I don't want to do it because Kuzma's been so good, but, like, Kyle Kuzma-esque is, like, you're a good scorer in college – you're you're an outside wing, but you know Kuzma very happy to take the three point shots, and obviously um, really works more inside out. Yeah. So different assets there, but it's still like Kuzma is not big enough to really defend fours, honestly. And I think Rui is going to be in the same in a similar situation. And I think one thing too, uh, comparing Kyle Kuzma to Hachimura, is one thing that I have liked about Hachimura's ability to kind of take over games, um, and obviously they're playing. Close to similar competition uh, back in college, I think. Yeah. Gonzaga obviously has played bigger names like Duke early on in their non-conference, um, but at least conference-wise, it has been similar. Um, however, with Hachimura, it is can he take that into the NBA game? Because yes, right now he has this massive confidence, but he's also a junior. He has become a leader on this team. Can he take that as a rookie and maintain that confidence? 
you know, Kuzma was drafted onto a team where he was, you know, the, pretty much he was the oldest player, I think, at, at least, uh, at least, you know, non-starters. Oh, out of their core? Yeah, out of yeah. the core, because um, he was older than Lonzo, he was older than Ingram. Like, he had to be It was be just a, Randall, I think, was the only guy? Maybe, but I think he might have even been older than Randall, right? They're close. I don't know uh, the dates. I think, you no, know, because I think Randall was, like, 23. Yeah. Um, but I think he had to be the guy who was the scorer because Randall wasn't even a scorer. So he was like the oldest guy that they were looking to at least to be a young player, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a rookie to two years in um, to be a scorer. And I think he just had that confidence to step right away, yeah. right in right, right away. Does Hachimura have that confidence? I think Kuzma has that ability to get red hot and then stay red hot. Does Hachimura have that ability as well? I don't, I don't know think if he does. the best player on his own team. I agree with that. I I'll think that you can there. look at Clark and, and, yeah. and even Norville and see that they might have the better pro potential. Like, Hachimura is fun to watch, right? He's, he's a very he's, good college player. He's dominating college, but can he take that in the NBA? Yeah. I have serious doubts, doubts about that. Um, but a guy that I really don't have that many doubts about outside of, you know, at least his on-court play that I do think is going to be a star is Darius Garland. This kid can stroke it. Um, he's yeah. extremely quick. He has that ability to be a scorer, and I think the Grizzlies— um, have the luxury of having Mike Conley on their team, and if they go out and take a Darius Garland, they don't have to rush him back. I don't think they're going to sit him out for the whole year. Um, it's not like a you know Ben Simmons thing that we always love bringing up, um, but I do think it is something that you can you know have him not start right away. You can ease him into the game of basketball, and you have a great mentor uh, to oh, yeah. you know teach him how to be a leader, how to be a great defender because I think that's something that he's going to you know lack Need. right away, yeah. and also to how to run an offense because that's something that he really didn't show in his very limited time. Um, at Vanderbilt that he could run an offense and be a facilitator, but he did show his scoring ability. Yeah, the dude's going to get buckets, and I think he can come in and day one be a shooting guard starter for that Grizzlies team. I mm-hmm. think he immediately could take it. As soon as he's healthy enough, he could step in and take that role. Like He is just that good of a scorer from all three levels. Ball's in his hand. It's magic. So I would love to see someone like Mike Conley, like you said, not only mentor him, but also facilitate for him, put him in those better positions to succeed. And then I am really loving the core of Triple J... And Darius Garland together, mm-hmm. that that right there is pretty sexy. Yeah, especially you know it's going to be way easier to find a guy who's seven feet tall standing <laughs> at the top of the uh, top of the uh, key, yeah. uh, open for threes uh, to facilitate. Uh, but Ricky, you have Garland the lowest. Are you worried just about his injury problem, or is it not like a fit? No, it was for me. It went down to the Grizzly pick where you guys mm-hmm. had you Garland, where I feel like with Memphis, it comes down to a situation. Number one. I liked your you first gonna, take. It was just, they need a guy. They need a guy. <laughs> and that's basically exactly so what it is. Is It's almost like what you said, Dave, about the Cavs. Are the Cavs going to be a good team next year? No. Nope. Are the Grizzlies going to be a good team next year? Nope. Nope. So for me, why, like, and this is a little bit of kind of being strategic here of, like, if you think Garland's the guy, go oh. ahead and take him. But I'm not completely sold that he's the guy for Memphis, whereas, of course, I'm higher on Rui. Mm-hmm. That's why I had him there. And that's what I think Memphis could do. Because we got Mike Conley next year, even if we trade him by the trade deadline, yeah. a la Gasol, we're still tanking for next mm-hmm. year, like tanking, not tanking right. kind of a thing. We're not going to be good. Why not get one of these two, three players in the draft that are right here, maybe even, like, let's say a Jackson Hayes? Kind of creeps up. What if he creeps up on their board? Hey, let's take a Jackson Hayes here. Let's take one of those wing players here, and then we'll worry about point guard well, after Conley is not he, on the team. Is it just the point guard idea, or mm-hmm. what I'm trying to get to is what have you seen 
from uh, Garland that you do not like or what haven't you seen from, from Garland that you do not like? It's not anything of what I have seen from Garland that I don't like. It's the they already have Conley on the roster. Mm-hmm. So there's not a pressing need to get a point. It's not like getting Garland this year, we're going to be a playoff team. Or getting Garland this year is the key for us to win the finals. No, it's not that. Like I said, they're going to stick next year, When has a rookie ever won a team the finals? I'm just saying, Magic. Dave. I'm Magic just Johnson. saying. And I was actually a, I was hoping for. The thing is, it's because that's not the case, let's go with a different position. And the only crux of that is if Garland is number one on the board of free players when that pick comes up, go ahead and take him. But he wasn't for me, and that's why I didn't take him there. Mike Conley's still there. They can trade him next year. They mm-hmm. can get veterans, or they can draft a point guard next year. All right. Uh, so we talked about the guy with biggest star power. Uh, I guess the other guy that we can throw in there, I mean, unless you guys have a team that you really like the the player that you picked there, because I don't think we need to go through, the, through every single team. I mean, Speaking of Garland, the Pelicans. About- Okay. That's the one where, like... Just because you're interested about the AD stuff? Well, no, it has nothing to do with the AD stuff. Really? Really, to me, it's, like, you're going to have AD on the team. That's what, like, I'm thinking, unless you move them in the offseason. But if I'm the Pelicans, we still have you're under contract. You're talking about draft day. Yes, okay. I'm talking about draft day. Like, hopefully, we can make it work with AD still, because he's under contract. Although, they'll probably move him in the offseason. Are you smoking something, But man? still, I look at it, and I almost had him go... Um, Jackson Hayes here, but then I was like, you know what, Darius Garland is there. When did we see the best Drew that we've seen when he had a point guard next to him? When Rondo was there, and Rondo could play the one, Drew could play the two, why not do a similar thing here where Darius Garland comes in, he's drafted to be the one, let's slide Drew over to the two, and then we'll worry about replacing Anthony Davis if we work out a trade later in the future. Yeah, I mean, Garland could play one or two. I, I think he's better fit just to be a pure scorer. I don't know if that necessarily means point guard for you know whatever team he goes on, but his pairing with Drew Holiday, I mean, at least Drew makes up for him defensively, but um, mm-hmm. Ron, Rondo's contribution to that team was to be able to take wide-open three-pointers and facilitate Anthony Davis. Like, yeah. he was, and, and, and obviously guard, like the best guard on the other team, they were able to lock down the Blazers most notably, but... I don't know. That that's the only concern is just mm-hmm. I don't know. Darius Garland doesn't bring defense to the game. Like that's the one area where obviously there's a lot of room for improvement. But yeah, it, it could work if he's available there for the Pelicans. Sure, absolutely. Because one of the things that in the in both trade packages we've been rumored, you know, you're either going to end up with Alonzo Ball who doesn't want to be there, mm-hmm. or I don't think the. Um, Celtics offered any point guards, really? No, well, it would be Rozier this year, but he's going to be RFA. Okay, so can't, yeah, they'd they have to pay him, him if they pay him money. They could offer him up again, mm-hmm. but I, I think that's that would be a smart move for them to make if they if Darius Garland was still available. Then, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I think that at least looking at the Pelicans, I think they're interesting just because of AD. Um, I mean, he, he's your player, he's mm-hmm. your franchise. If he's still on your team and you not thinking you're going to trade them until you know the trade deadline going into the next year, I think you do have to take that into uh, consideration. I just looked at it, and I, you know, I had him going with Hachimura. It was really just because I think that, like you mentioned, his star potential is present. I don't, I'm not sold on it too much, and I think I'm more on leaning towards Dave of uh, putting him down outside of the lottery just because I'm not sold on that star potential as much. But also if... He is being drafted, and he's going to be playing next to Anthony Davis. I think teams are going to have to focus on him more. Maybe his athleticism, his size can win out a little bit offensively, and having a guy like Anthony Davis 
could cover up his defense. Now, obviously, that's going to change when Anthony Davis is now on the team at some point. Um, but also, you know, Garland was off the board for me, so I didn't think they had a, yeah. a guard fit, really. I don't think Kelton Johnson really works with that team because, again, we keep talking about Drew Holiday. He's not really a great point guard uh, in the traditional sense. He's a great guard, but is he a great point guard? I don't think so, and there's having Kelton Johnson there. I don't think it's the smartest move, and I don't think there's a guy like even Romeo Langford. Like, What's again, wrong with he's, Romeo? Well, he's not. He's. I don't think because you have Romeo going. Yeah, I, I'm I just, like I, screw. It. Give me two big guards. Both of them can facilitate. Both of them mm-hmm. can score, and I think that I just don't think he's I'm a three level scorer. If he can, if Romeo he can being a great lock, catch and shooter. I don't know if he's going to be a great catch and shooter. He's yet to have someone on his team who can truly facilitate him. Mm-hmm. He's a get it all done himself kind of guy. So. Being put on a team where you would have a Drew Holiday to help set you up, Randall with those inside-out passes, like I think that that could be successful for him. And I like the pairing of having two big guards because if you can teach him to stay engaged on defense throughout a whole game, yeah. and Drew and him, two very long, very big guards mm-hmm. could be menacing for that West. Only thing with uh, Randall is he does have a player option going yeah. into this year, and he might decline it because he's only making nine million. So it's true. I think you can get a lot more on the open market. Yeah, I just I know he's a very good passer from the low mm-hmm. post, so I want to give him some cred. You got a team that you liked your your pick too, which pretty much already talked about the Grizzlies. You talked about the Pelicans. You want to talk about the? Uh, I mean, the, the Wizards Hawks are boring. Again, the Wizards. So I'm I was pass on that. I was confused what to do with them. Well, I think the idea they're is... either replacing John Wall, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. by replacing, I mean you have to draft someone young who's going to be there in a couple years because you're still. still paying John Wall $47 million in three years. Um, Or you're going for wing depth because that's you just gave away Otto Porter. You got two uh, fours on your team in Jabari Parker and Bobby Portis, who you don't have to pay next year if you don't want to. So that means you have an opportunity there. And they got the best floor in the draft is DeAndre Hunter. Well, and I think that too is... I mean, you're going to have Bradley Beal for two more years. Yep. So unless you're waiting until the last year to trade him or even possibly looking to resign him, uh, you get to that second year of that Beal contract, you're going to have John Wall, Bradley Beal, and then DeAndre Hunter, who is pretty much looking like bust-proof. It's just, is he going to be a starter or is he just going to be a role player? Right. Um, and I think if he is a starter, then you have a pretty nasty combo if John Wall comes back healthy at the 1, 2, and 3 of yeah. John Wall, Bradley Beal, and DeAndre Hunter, a guy who can work off that and probably would be better than an Otto Porter at least in that situation, because I don't think he is a guy who can work with the ball in his hands and put up 37 a night yeah, ever in the NBA. Yeah, no, I get Well, we didn't know Otto could do that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a funny for, thing, for because sure. we watched Otto, but Otto play was with... Like a, Otto, Otto was a third pick in the draft. Like He yeah. had more potential than I think DeAndre I, Hunter did. I, I absolutely agree, but Otto was one of those guys where when John Wall had gone out the year before, we didn't see him mm-hmm. really step up and be a 20-plus point-a-game scorer. And then, obviously, Bradley Beal has been playing absolutely phenomenally, uh, one-man team in it. So, yeah, I, I get it. It's just I think he's had a couple of those opportunities on that Wizards team, and it didn't work out for him. So I'm thrilled to see him succeed here. I think Hunter is basically the, the, the plug-and-play wing that everybody wants on their team, and I think that he is exactly what this team needs is stability because they have had none yeah. of it. And I think the pick is almost too logical for this team, and they might just go crazy and take, like, Bull Bull here. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, that is a serious concern for me is I think that Ernie Grunfeld, right? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, he might be the – I'll look it up. Yeah. Whatever the decision is or whoever it comes mm-hmm. down to, I yes, have a fear. Grunfeld. Yeah, I have a fear that Grunfeld could do something crazy here because he's just their, – their pick last year was Troy Brown Jr., and he can't even sniff the floor. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking we're just going wild card bitches on this thing. But even then, like, Ernie Grunfeld wasn't the only person to, like, try around. No. So I can't really blast no, him for that. But the fact that they they can't even, you know, figure out how to put him on the floor, I give him a chance to succeed, that's on them. That's more on you-know-who. Yeah, your Scottie favorite coach. Brooks. 
Paper couch. Um, so I, I just look with the, the 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 Wizards. It's pretty undeniable to you can't really not play DeAndre Hunter. Yeah, I think he has that that skill level to just plug yeah. in and play. Absolutely, and I think even Scotty Brooks can't overlook that. Um, looking at mine though, I think the Hawks are probably the most interesting team in this. Yeah, uh, looking because when we look at the Magic, uh, there we all looked at that two guard position because we most likely think that Fournier is going to be gone. They have Isaac, they have Gordon, they have Bamba. Their front court for the you know next five years is pretty much set up, and, mm-hmm. and, and it's going to go. We look at the number one spot; they just got Markel Fultz, and there isn't even a point guard to take at the spot. So really, you're just looking at the two guard. Romeo Langford was available for. Uh, just only uh, me, at least for that two guard, because Keldon Johnson went with the the Hawks pick. Uh, Ricky chose Romeo there. Yeah, Ricky so, went yeah. Romeo over Keldon, uh, and then you went uh, Keldon because Romeo was off the board. Um, so Ricky, I'll, I'll go to you after this. Mm-hmm. But the Hawks were at least the most interesting, just because you have that pick. You already took a player at five. Uh, we all took Culver, so it's really you have bullets to play with. Ricky showed that uh, taking ball ball, but then also what else could you add to this team? What is this team missing? So Ricky, when you were looking at this team, clearly you were thinking they were missing a five. What did Bull Bull bring to the table that attracted you to them? For me, I just looked at it where I was looking at the five position. I almost agreed with Dave. I almost put Jackson Hayes there. But I thought, I'm like, okay, you got two picks in the top ten. Think about what we were saying about Ball Ball, Ball Ball, before the injury. He was a top ten pick. Like, he was in our top yeah, ten. Yeah, he was somewhere like, between, like, four and seven. Exactly. Yep. Like, he was not going to fall out of... The top 10. So it's not like we were questioning his game. Right now, we're just questioning his health. How is he going to come back from it? Will his body be able to stand up? And Hawk fans, you might not like this. Like, this was a risk pick for me. Hey, we got this pick by the Luka trade. Let's go ahead and roll the dice. And this could be one where he's a guy that can shoot from the outside, works well in transition. We're trying to model a Warriors where we've got Herder out there. The nickname is uh, Red Velvet. Red Velvet. Um, we got Trey Young out there. Like we drafted those guys to be a transition, a high scoring team. Let's go ahead, roll the dice, and go with a ball ball, even though there's the question, the risk will that body hold up with the injury? My, that's for me, I understand you're thinking that's just too much of a question for me. And I think that. The Hawks have very mm-hmm. precious bullets where if they make this pick hit, that could change their franchise. Um, where where I have them going later, that's a team that really, if it doesn't hit, doesn't affect them because they're going to be where they are no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but with the Hawks, I think that if you get a guy and he hits, that could be your core. And you're already set, and you just need to make sure these guys get a little bit older, they get more comfortable playing, and they grow and pro- progress. We've seen Trey Young grow and progress yeah. in he's front so of our eyes this season. He's I mean, been... he still can't play like a defense, but that man is a maestro on offense. He directs matter. traffic. Do we, like expect, crazy. do we expect him to play defense, though? No. No, he's, <laughs> got he's five foot four. He's got the wingspan of a T Rex. Ugliest um, face I've ever seen. Uh, haircut <laughs> combo. It, it's really yeah, bad. Yeah, he's, he's got. He it's wasn't really blessed bad. with great genes yeah. uh, in the hair, hair department. Uh, but. With the Hawks, I, I think that Dave and I at least went with that idea of this might be a pick that can hit. Um, you went with Jackson Hayes, which I thought was a little bit interesting. You defended it well, though. I think that he is an ideal fit next to uh, God. I John never. Collins. I was. What's his nickname? Is it the Pastor? It's the something oh, else. I don't know. I but yeah, uh, I, I love John Collins. His energy offensively is incredible. He's going to be a twenty-point a game. Score. He's already like a nineteen-point score. The, the Baptist. Baptist. The Baptist. Thank you, I, Pastor Baptist. Baptist. John the Baptist, come on. Um, so that, that would be the joke. Dave. Thank you. I had to say it out loud for my brain to click. <laughs> Screw you, man. Uh, no, I love the fit. I think that he is a monster defensively. He's young. 
He is aggressive. Uh, he guards the rim extremely well. He's he's a perfect fit. And I think the the best thing about him is the fact that he is not he does not need to be a high usage guy like some of the other centers later in this draft. We've seen the success out of him on the defensive end, and if he does get the touches, he's very efficient with them, which is incredible because this is a team with it. They have a lot of mouths to feed next year. They've got a lot of great shooters, and you want to make the most of those opportunities. And I think John Collins is is modeling his game, you know, a la Amari Stoudemire style. He is just so good offensively. I don't want a five who takes away from that. I want a five who can cover up for his deficiencies defensively and ensure that on the low post, you got no troubles, no worries. You got somebody who can play that help defense, swat shots near the net. I just absolutely love this kid, and he's he jumped up my board. I'll admit it. Like he mm-hmm. was not a lottery pick at the start of this year for me, but what I've seen out of him this year, just Texas knows how to make centers. Yeah, who's submitted? That's well, I'm the <laughs> asshole smart, right? that I was yeah. the, I was the first person to put him up there. Uh, I, I had him in the one point going to the Warriors at 28. Uh, but yeah, I mean his his athleticism is undeniable. Yeah, and you're and you're 100 right about at least te- Texas bringing out these these stars, um, even at centers. Because even when Jared Allen was drafted, uh, he was even slept on. Because most people are like, oh, Justin Patton's better because he can he could score more. But it's like you look at you know J- Justin Patton, he wasn't able to rebound, and, and yeah. Jared Allen was out here showing crazy athletic plays, doing exactly what he was doing right now in the NBA, blocking shots around the rim, being a great rim protector, blocking um, LeBron. You know, yeah. no big deal. He wasn't able to block block the great. Marquise Krista, uh, he jammed that home on him. But uh, but he does have a fro, which is does fro. I love the take back. Both Dinwiddie and he. Um, but Jackson Hayes, I think I think you you know he's very much in the same vein of a Jared Allen, and they they seem very similar uh, types of players. The only worry that I had was the fact that you brought up you know John Collins and Jackson Hayes next to each other. Mm-hmm. I think spacing would be limited, uh, just because I think you know while John Collins can stretch it out to sixteen feet, I think he is better working close to the basket, yeah. and that's one no thing doubt. that. You know, do you want to take away your probably second best offensive player just because you're drafting a young guy? Defensively, I think it would work. Um, but then again, are they too big in some ways? But also, if you draft Jackson Hayes, does he need to start right away for your team? Um, I think if you even have Dwayne Dedman next year, because um, I'm not really sure about his contract, um, you know, you could probably even have him come off the bench and just uh, Dedman at the five. Um, but I, I think that, the, or even have Collins play at the five, and then uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a transitional thing. I think that's the best thing. Like even you know, we talk about Jared Allen. He needed someone in front of him to start it going because it was like, mm-hmm. you need to get your feet wet as a center in the NBA. You're going to be taking bumps. You're going to be, you know, bodying guys down low who have size, have muscle mass on you just purely from an age standpoint. So, you know, give Jackson Hayes a year or two to build up his strength. Dude is going to be a monster. Mm-hmm. I just think looking at my mock draft, I think Kelton Johnson's probably the smartest pick for them because if we're talking about expanding the uh, the ability they're they're you know expanding their uh, shot horizon. Mm-hmm. I think adding another shooter to that starting lineup would be absolutely deadly. And we're there's talks about you know Torian Prince not being there uh, coming up soon. Uh, you know they were looking to trade him this year. Um, I think that that opens up a spot at the three. Kent Bazemore really can play himself out of that lineup. Uh, and you know really Herder hasn't been a starter for them. He hasn't really been getting. They bounced uh, him around a lot, but mm-hmm. I think they're they're still trying to figure out the rotation. I like I like Kelton Johnson's versatility. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's a good two way player. He can play two or three too. And yeah. I think you know he's six six, probably going to be like six seven at the draft. Um, I think he has the size to play a three. He can defend the two or the three. Um, and I think having those three out there, if if that is going to be your ultimate uh, starting lineup of Trey Young, Jared Culver. You just drafted Jarrett Culver earlier. That's the thing. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. To be honest with you, I totally forgot that I drafted Jarrett Culver. <laughs> and that's another thing I played into it. Also, <laughs> but you never have enough wings, right? 
You need also, more wings. And I know this is Fuck. second round picks, but um, and I expect some of these yeah. to be traded. They got three. They got three second round picks this mm-hmm. year. They got five total in the picks chamber. in two rounds. Yeah. So I mean, they could make a trade. Um, like because last year they took Devonte Graham but traded it to Charlotte. Yeah. I don't. I just don't know what. Like, yeah, Jackson Hayes is available. But I just don't know what other big they would go with. I think that's where I came down to. Because like maybe they go Seku and they could take the shot at Seku just because it is mm-hmm. the the Mavs pick and they can stash him or at least you know ease him into. NBA play. Mm-hmm. I think that would be the other pick I would have them going with. But even then, I still, even though I had Jared Culver, or they going take there, that Mavs pick and they trade back. Maybe, but I, I, I we're not doing that in this NBA yeah, draft. No, I, I know. Think I'm, just, I, I'm just for I'm just a discussion. Talking about the, well, talking about the Culver and Johnson thing. I think that I still like the pick there, although I have mm-hmm. Culver going there just because that gives you so much fluidity and also will help you have another guy who can play great defense. Um, and you, that way, you can have uh, Herder. Trey Young out there with a guy like Culver who's playing pretty great defense mm-hmm. uh, so far on Texas, and then even with Kelton Johnson as well. And when it comes to late minute, you know, time, you can take uh, good old Kevin Herter off, and then you could add in a Culver or Kelton Johnson, play those two out there, and then you have massive flexibility yeah. uh, when it comes to garden uh, wings and, and guards. So I think that would be my defense. There is yes, Herter, uh, Trey Young, Culver, and Johnson are all guards, and then you also have to play in the fact of Bazemore and mm-hmm. Torian Prince, but those guys can be moved with even second-round picks uh, to move up into mm-hmm. the draft. So I, I think that could be something, and you can even go and take a shot on a guy like Bobo or Seku uh, or even Jante Porter, uh, depending on where you land. Um, so I think that would be my de- my defense of the uh, the Kelton Johnson pick yeah. for the, the Hawks would just be you have so much versatility no, I mean, with your cards and wings. And that's the thing. At this point in their rebuild, like take shots, don't care about redundancy. Take the best players that mm-hmm. you think will fit mm-hmm. to what your future build plan is. Yeah. So I think that's safe. All right. Uh, so you, what was the question brought up, though? Just the could they take that Mavs pick and trade back? Like, a, a la what they did with the Mavs last year. Like, if there's a team like the T-Wolves or the Heat or even the Lakers that want to trade up. What do you think the need, the need to is to drop four spots, though? If they're – for me, it looks like – like, I'll say Jackson Hayes, because I had him go um, a little bit later in the um, first round. If it's like, hey, I really like Jackson Hayes. The T-Wolves want to switch with us. They're at 12. He could still be there. All right, we'll take who the T-Wolves want. A Keldon Johnson, maybe. I just threw a name out there. Um, and then, oh, Jackson Hayes is there. All right, take him for us, and we switch the rights. I feel mm-hmm. like 5 through 15 in this draft is interchangeable, like, to an yeah. extent. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys that there's cases to be made for. I think it's a very narrow margin between them, in all honesty. Yeah, I just don't know if you look at that 9 to, let's say, 12 jump, like what are you actually going to get from the T-Wolves? Because I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. get a, a first for that jump at all. I think it's just going to be like you're going to get another second, and then that way, do you want to passively pass up on the They've guy you like the most? have got three seconds already this year. Yeah, so. do you want to pass up on the possibility of getting the guy you like the most? Because like, hey, maybe we do like Kelvin Johnson at 9, but will he be there at 12? Uh, yeah. I think that's playing a, a risky game there. Uh, anyways, uh, that's going to do it on 1 through 10, unless you guys have any other thoughts. Nope. All good. Okay. Chief. I don't know. Like, Ricky was, wasn't looking at me. I was looking at a trade. Um, what is it? Um, just to see, because you threw out the what would you get for that. Um, I was just looking last year to see what like the Clippers got in theirs, because that was in the mm-hmm. similar range, and what the um, Cavs got, um, but I'm unable to pull it up right now. The Cavs. Yeah, because it says... The Cavs got to, them the Kyrie trade. Oh, that's right. Um, then the um, the Shea trade. Yeah, I think that was a second rounder, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Because uh, I don't think they gave up a, a future yeah, first. Yeah, two future seconds. Okay. 
because uh, it was like a one one trade flip. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, that's going to do it through 1 through 10 again. Don't forget to put uh, your comments down in the section below. Let us know what you think about our 1 through 10. What players do you like? What player picks do you not like? Uh, which players do you think have the most star potential? Let us know down in the comments below. But let's move in 11 through 20. We'll talk about the players and teams here. Uh, also, don't forget to leave your uh, comments, cons- questions, and concerns uh, down in the comments below. If you're just joining us 11 through 20 on YouTube, uh, we're, we'll have a mailbag answering your questions about these teams and these prospects uh, going to these teams. Ricky, start us off. Well, starting at mine, the... Heat, that's who at 11. I had to find him on my spreadsheet. <laughs> Kelton Johnson going to go to the Heat at 11. Then the T-Wolves at 12 going to go Brandon Clark, the forward from Gonzaga. Then at 13, the Lakers go Jackson Hayes, the center from the Texas Longhorns. Um, then at 14, the Celtics via the Kings. They'll go Kevin Porter Jr., a little bit of a faller um, this time in my mock. Then at 15, Pistons go Seiku Demboya, the forward out of France. Then at 16, the Hornets going with Kobe White, guard out of UNC. Nets at 17 go with Lewis King, the forward out of Oregon, quack, Ooh. quack. And then at 18, the Celtics, via the Clippers this time, go with Trey Jones, guard out of Duke. Then P.J. Washington to the Spurs at 19. And then rounding it out, probably my biggest follower, but I don't think it's my biggest follower. I think Kevin Porter Jr. might be. But Nasir Little out of uh, UNC going to the Jazz at 20. It's Nasir Little because you had Nasir Little in your top ten. I think Kevin Porter was like number nine for you. So Kevin Porter probably Nasir at eleven last time. Yeah. Uh, So I think Kevin Porter probably only felt like five or Nasir. Kevin Porter was at six. Yeah. yeah. What are you pointing out? Ah, uh, just as uh, idea, I'm tossing over something later. Oh, okay. okay. Something Never mind. No, I, had, I thought you I were had talking. Kevin Porter Jr. because no. I just looked at it at six. I had Nasir at eleven. No, right. I, I had one of those like Bing moments, okay. and I was like, oh, maybe this would mm-hmm. be helpful. But I don't know. We'll Take see us your eleven through twenty. Sure. At number eleven, I've got the Heat going with Seku Demboya. At number 12, I've got Nasir Little fall into Timberwolves. And I really, I know we've had, I've had a lot of history say, mm-hmm. with uh, Nasir Little this year. Uh, I don't like his <laughs> play as of late. the B word earlier on this, I, tra- this draft season. <laughs> he played like trash against Virginia. He just was absolutely useless. Uh, so he may keep falling, uh, regardless of his body and his mm-hmm. potential at the NBA level. I just, I, I really dislike him at this point. Uh, at number 13, I've got the Lakers going. With Rui Hachimura at 14, I've got the Celtics taking Bull Bull because it's a freebie pick. At 15, I've got the Pistons taking Kobe White. At 16, I've got the Hornets taking Nikhail Alexander-Walker. At 17, I've got the Nets taking Brandon Clark. Loving it. Uh, 18, I've got the Celtics going Bruno Fernando. And 19, I've got the Spurs going KZ Akpala. And round out at number 20. I've got the Jazz taking Jonte Porter. Yeah, big follower there was uh, Kevin Porter, who we didn't even talk about, or who you even mentioned, because he's not yeah. even in this, uh, this section yeah. for you. Uh, my 11 through 20, we have Heat taking Nasir Little, the T-Wolves taking Sekou Demboya, 13, the Lakers taking Jackson Hayes, 14, we'll take the uh, the Celtics taking Ball Ball, 15, the Pistons taking Kevin Porter Jr., 16, the Hornets taking Nikki Alexander-Walker, 17, the Nets taking Brandon Clark, 18, the Celtics taking Trey Jones. 19, the Spurs taking Kobe White. And 20, Jonte Porter being selected by the Utah Jazz. Boys, we'll start off first with Sekou Demboya, since Dave has him going uh, to the Heat, and we'll work our way down. Uh, pretty much with Sekou, I mean, he's a guy who is extremely raw, 6'9", yep. yep. uh, international player. There was talks about him being a top-five pick uh, before this season. Um, hasn't shown us a ton, but... In this whole draft where we're talking about lack of stars, lack of potential, um, and, and more role players, is he an intriguing player to you just because he has that rawness? 
Yeah, I mean, he's someone who absolutely can mold his game around some of the greats in the NBA right now. He's got good length. He's got good size. He's 6'9". Uh, I, I know we'll get official measurables mm-hmm. later on, but somewhere around 6'9 with a 7-foot-plus wingspan. So absolute monster. He can play the 3 or the 4. He's decent with the ball in his hands. Just defensively, he is someone who is just a nightmare for people, and I get it because the, the knock will be, well, in Europe, he's playing against less athletic people, and it's easier yeah. to lock them down one-on-one. And that, that may be true, but that defense is going to carry over. He he just has a skill set for it. Uh, offensively, his game still has some room to develop, but mm-hmm. he's a player, and I love the pick for the well, Heat. Uh, go on, finish yeah. it. No, no. I love the pick for the Heat because I think this is a team where they've got a lot of threes right now, and they're kind of spraying them out. Like We're seeing Justice Winslow playing as point guard, and that's probably the best we've seen Justice Winslow play in his career at this mm-hmm. point. Uh, Josh Richardson, obviously, they locked him up long term. Now he's playing really well, being that three and D player. Um, you know, not maybe a star on a team, but he's a very good two piece or three piece. So I think that Seku could lock down the four for them moving forward. Right now, they're rolling with James Johnson, who he's a good player. He's older. He's just not been very effective in their system. He's not a needy player, which is probably good for them. But I think Seku can fill in in that three four tweener role and absolutely come and contribute and. Who would you rather have to teach this young young kid how to play basketball? I mean, I just I love the Heat organization as a whole. Well, and the thing that I pulled up an article here from CBS where they were talking to his agent. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try to butcher his agent's name. Yeah, I'm just going to say his <laughs> agent. Um, the he, this is the quote he has. Oh yeah, yeah. This no, kid is that. growing, probably going to stand at six nine, six ten in a few months. Um, he's perfect NBA player who can play the two, the three, um, the four. Um, then ranging from Nicholas Batum, um, Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier to Clint Capella, the list goes on. And he even said this is a probably the most exciting player I've ever gotten my hands on to. So, I mean, for me, my biggest question, I even asked you, Dave, mm-hmm. was, is he coming over right away? Yeah, and... I think the answer is probably just because uh, he is a prospect who would definitely benefit from playing in Mm -hmm. the NBA, being on that training schedule, getting those uh, trainers to work specifically for him, condition him. I think the one big thing with Europe a lot of people don't realize is how many games they play in a year. People are starting to get that from what happened with Luka, Mm -hmm. where I think he played like 90-something games in a a calendar year, basically, or just over a calendar year. You know, he didn't have a chance to really develop his body or grow. People gave him shit about his conditioning, even though he's playing every night, and he's Mm -hmm. traveling all over Europe. Like, it's the thing. So I think with uh, Seku, him being able to really focus, come over, and get that benefit of working with professionals in the NBA, that's the best way he can grow. See, Absolutely. And, and for me, I'm going to interject. Were, yeah. Go ahead. Bona Indaye. Oh, he's trying to pronounce. I think someone, that's his agent's name. So, someone's going to tell Bona us we're wrong. I'm Indaye. just. I was thinking we have someone watch our videos. Yeah. Who knows pronunciation? I think um, it's Bona Indaye. I'm okay. Not going to try it. But there were three <laughs> teams that I could have had Seku go to. The first one was you, the Heat. Yeah. Um, the only thing I was looking at is Kelton Johnson was still there for me. Um, and fair. he is number one off the board at that point. Then it was the T-Wolves. The only thing is, I don't know yet who is going to be that T-Wolves coach. So it's hard for me to say whether they'll go with a college player or an international player that they could work with. Does the coach matter or does the GM matter? In that I point? think it's the coach. The coach is going to be working with the kid day but, in, day out. But if the GM believes in the talent, then does it matter about there the coach? There needs to be then a conversation between said coach and GM. 
Um, and yeah, we've seen that, that, you know, that coaches tanking people. And if you, good, and good if you don't have a, wow. I know, I know, but I'm just saying. No, no, I'm like, not saying Minnesota does. I'm just saying. Like, I'm just saying that like <laughs> that's a conversation that needs to happen um, between the coach and the GM. Then it was Boston. Like Boston could be a team that says, "Screw it, I like wings." We know we got Brad Stevens. Brad can work with them. But I look at it and I go Detroit, where they are a team where. I mean, they've got Blake and they've got Andre Drummond, which is kind of like they're in a situation of like they could push for like the lower end yeah, of the Blake's playoffs doing everything in the he East can to drag these bums into the playoffs. But I look at it and I go, with a coach like Dwayne Casey, like that is one where you can give him a guy like Sekou Demboya and just be like, "Hey, Dwayne, mold him into what you want." Mold him into that two, three, four. Here, we're giving you a I mean, piece of he clay. He gave up mold. on Stanley Johnson, which is kind of impressive to me. So I don't know about that. I mean, like I like Dwayne Casey. I think that you know the Raptors have done an awesome job developing talent while he was there. I don't know if I give him all of that credit. I though, mean, Stanley but. Johnson though is a player that was he'd been in the league since he was nineteen, and this year was he was kind a of... defensive standout prospect, the mm-hmm. same as Seiko. He's someone who has. The ability to be great, but mm-hmm. he had a great wingspan, good body size. The thing I just about don't think Stan John is. I'm not saying they're equal prospects. I'm yeah. saying, well, where was Stan John drafted? Eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about someone who's drafted higher than him, and you're trying to tell me that we and we actually got to see Stanley Johnson play in college, where we're watching Seku play in a B tier Euro League. So I'm just trying to set the expectations right. You know, if, if he gave up on a player mm-hmm. like Stan John, who had five years in the league and could never progress to to a yeah. decent well, shot. You, the thing you have to understand is, for most of Stanley Johnson's career, yeah. Stan Van was his coach. This yeah. is the only year terrible, him and He's Dwayne, still a terrible player, is my point. Like mm-hmm. Him and Dwayne, this is the first year right. they've been Well, together. I just don't know that Dwayne Casey is the like growth messiah for young talent. I don't know that he is the ultimate how, guy to do that. However, you can make the argument, you look at a guy like Pascal Siakam, who did a lot of growing under... Uh, Dwayne Casey, and, and or I know did he, took, he? I know his took, biggest jump. I know he took the the big step under Nick, Nick Nurse, Nurse yeah. but that's also due to I think the ability of Nick Nurse having the idea of moving uh, uh, good old uh, Serge Ibaka, Serge Ibaka to, the five. to the five, and then having Pascal Siakam take on a larger but role. And also, Nick Nurse was there last year as well. Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, not saying like, it's all on Dwayne Casey. Given, I'm not saying it's all on yeah. Dwayne Casey, but I don't, also don't think I think Dwayne Casey is a solid coach. I don't know how much. I don't know how much credit I want to give him for all the that's player fair. development no, under him. I'm not, I'm not giving him all the okay. player development for Pascal Siakam. That's I'm fair. just saying Pascal Siakam, in a very similar light, long wingspan, very athletic, very new to a, basketball, took and, a yeah. very great growth. Uh, yeah. And like you know, it maybe sake you can take that growth. Yeah. Um, the one thing that I wanted to go to, and this will just go into another player that we're going to talk about, is uh, Seku. I think we can compare a little bit to Brandon Clark. Both athletic. Both great defenders, uh, both guys with long wingspans. Ricky, you have Brandon Clark going above Sekou Demboya. Mm-hmm. Was it a f- team fit that you liked, or was it a prospect fit? I wanted a four. I was looking for a big. Well, they're both fours. Well, with Sekou. Similar size, too. I think Sekou yeah, might even be but a like, bit Even like his agent said in that clip, like, he's a guy to me where he's not going to just be a four. He's going to be some four, some three, maybe some two. I um, think that's a little bit of a uh, little bit of a stretch. Height. But no, like, it's, it's I, I see two. him more, like for me, Seku, I look at him more as a three compared to um, a four in the yep. NBA. Like I, when I look at him, I'm looking at him as a small forward <laughs> or compared to a power forward. So for me, I looked for a four. For the T Wolves, yep. and that's Brandon Clark. Like for me, Seku was a three. All right, that's that's fair. I, I think that uh, Brandon Clark for me is a very dis- different prospect than Seku. Uh, offensively, he's gifted. He's aggressive. Uh, he's a little bit raw 
uh, at times going to the rim, which is kind of fun. He does have an awesome spin move, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit to him. It's his one move, but it, he does do it well. Yeah. Uh, I just I like his I like his aggression with the ball in his hands, being able to drive and slash. Well, I think that's one thing. And you're talking about Seiko, right? No, I'm talking about uh, Brandon Clark. Oh, okay. Um, I think yeah, they're different players. Is uh, that's for sure. Um, but I think Brandon Clark and them both bring the idea of both very athletic guys, both guys who have very long wingspans. Um, and yes, I think with Brandon Clark, the idea of him being more of a rim protector is fair. Um, however, I still think he's going to guard. They're going to guard similar positions because Brandon Clark, I think, has the ability to guard three and fours. Um, and I think that you know maybe he does become a rim protector when Cat's not. Um, however, how much? of his size, Brandon Clark's going to affect his ability to be a rim protector at the NBA level. Um, so I think his defensive abilities might have to change because Brandon Clark, mm-hmm. I think, is 6'8". Um, He's 6'8", off three blocks a game. Mm-hmm. But it's also against, like, against, you know... Over a steal. What players? It's and Gonzaga. Like, I get yeah. it. But, so, like, he, he did this at San Jose State before transferring in, and mm-hmm. that's the thing. He had 17 points last year at San Jose State, 16.8 this year. He's proving the consistencies there. The growth is there from a percentage his shot has gotten better yeah. last year shooting 59 percent overall this year 68 percent well like i think his scoring is leaps and bounds ahead of what seiku is uh, that that's the thing and i get it he's an older player as well that's what i was gonna bring but up. i i mean that's just yeah they're, they're in different categories i think brandon clark has a really special skill set and I see him as someone who can continue to rise up this board as we hit tourney time. I just think he's a little bit limited, and I think that's where you look at Seku and yeah, mm-hmm. Brian Clark might have more of a, def- I don't really know if he has more of a defined role, um, but at least more of a defined path to the NBA and where he's going to make it. Yeah. Um, however, I don't think, and Seku doesn't, but I think that's because Seku's more raw than Brandon Clark is. Yeah. Um, and Brandon Clark adds a, a, a shot and a more mm-hmm. consistent uh, three-point shot because it's it's not the best right now. He's not he's you know, hitting at a great... less than one a game. Yeah, he's not hitting and... at a great rate. Yeah. Um, but if he's able to hit it at a higher rate, then I think he could become a very uh, good stretch forward. If you're pairing him next to Cat, um, he could become possibly a better dream defect defender than cat i don't think he'll be garden five i don't think cats can be okay cats like what averaging like near three blocks a game no he's, um, he's not cats cat i can't believe that number i'm looking it up <laughs> maybe not three because i think that's a little way too high uh but he's i think he's probably near two um He's putting up 1.8. Uh, 1. 8. 8. Yeah, yeah. 1.8. 3 was way too high. That's so he's blocks a game. Yeah. But, but 2 Did was... he have 3 blocks in his last game? <laughs> <laughs> he's hitting like 5 in a game. Because he almost had a 5x5, five five, I think. Uh, anyways, I, I just think that... He's had two sixes actually, and a 5. Um, that's what I was thinking. I was just overhyping him. <laughs> um, yeah, I know you've been riding the cat train for years now, Sean. Yeah, I, I just think that... I would always have Seku above Brandon Clark just because of that ability to grow. Yeah, I, I just think that after watching the reaction of what's happened to Luca and then Frank and Mario Hazonia, like you have to be very careful with European players and because no, they're not all the same. Well, they're, they're they're not all the same, but also, what's your expectations of them coming? And Luca was the most polished player in European mm-hmm. history at his age. Yeah, no one, no one's even close to that. So him being able to translate right away, I didn't have a concern in the world. But Frank was a player who was a role-playing uh, two-guard mm-hmm. in Europe, and he very much had the skill set, but it was such raw talent. And it was like, okay, this is going to take time. Seku, I think it's going to be the same thing. He will okay. take time to develop. I think Brandon well, Clark can step on a team and be a backup player and play, play 15 to 20 minutes a night, no problem. And or I think you're Chris stops and you just get drafted by the Knicks. And, and that's the thing. So that's, <laughs> well, But before he got, you know, after he got booed, yeah. 
before he got traded, yeah. he was a very good player <laughs> in stint impact. Well, and one thing, too, you look at where those guys were drafted. Fournier was drafted 20th. Frank was top 10. Uh, Luca obviously top 10. Kristaps was top 10. I think having Seku a little bit further back out will lower the expectations Hopefully, a little bit. Hopefully, yeah. Um, and Luka, also, my top five. Luca's top five. Yeah, I think it depends three. on where those where those guys uh, go exactly. Well, and also Kristaps is top five, mm-hmm. but uh, where you go team wise, because if you're going with the T Wolves and this team might be looking to make a, uh, a playoff push, Brian yeah, Clark right. might be a little bit better. That's if exactly. you're going to the Heat, I, the Heat always are always looking for to make the playoffs, but also their idea might change. They're a bunch how, of how deep middlemen though. Um, and also this might be their last shot to get a guy who might have star potential, so maybe they play off a little bit differently uh, because that 21, 2021 pick is not their pick. Um, anyways, let's move down the line. Uh, next up is Nasir Little. I have him at 11 going to the Heat. Uh, Dave, you have him going to the T-Wolves at 12, uh, 12 uh, and then uh, Ricky, you have him all the way down at 20. So uh, let's talk about Nasir Little while you guys have him down so low. Uh, what are you doing to the spreadsheet? I am adding things for later so that I can remember when we upload what to tag and what we talked about. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> just a little bit of, like, da- just a bit of housekeeping on that yeah. side of the table. I, I was, Behind the scenes. I thought he was going to cut it off. Uh, anyways, uh, Nasir Little, uh, we'll talk about him. I have him going 11. Uh, you have him going to T-Wills. Uh, Ricky has him going all the way to 20 at the, the Jazz. I just think he's still, yes, he hasn't performed as well as he has. And obviously the Virginia thing took uh, left a, a, a Poor really taste in your mouth. mouth yeah. um, however, you look at the games before that, you look from uh, J- January 15th uh, to February 9th, he was shooting 51% from the field. That was on 52% from twos. He was averaging 11 points per game. Uh, he had about six boards a game, assist a game, and he was shooting 80% from the line um, at about four attempts per game. So I was really liking what I saw from Nasir Little. Obviously, definitely did not like uh, what he did against uh, Virginia. was playing off the floor. He only played two minutes in, the, in that game. Um, and that's a huge red flag when you're going up against the number one team um, and you're not playing that level. I know he got injured, um, but again, how well can he you know, mm-hmm. play up? Uh, he didn't return in the second half against Wake. Uh, he was a game-time decision this, uh, today. Um, but a thing with him is I just think that he's too... He's too physically gifted yep. not to go that high. And I think with you look at the Heat, kind of the same thing with Justice Winslow. Uh, I don't think Justice lit, lit it up in college, if I'm correct. I think he lit it up a little bit more than uh, uh, Nasir has. But I think he is a similar player in that vein of size, um, potential-wise. The growth is there. The growth, the ability grows there. And I think that the Heat wouldn't pass that up just because he does have that growth. But, Ricky, you clearly have a lot of teams passing him up. What have you not seen on Nasir Little uh, to give him? That credit. I just, for me, it's one of the things where I look at Nasir Little and a little bit of this was like with Dave, with John Morant to the Bulls, where I had Nasir end up with the Jazz, where the Jazz to me are a team where look at who they took last year. They took Grayson Allen, a guy where everyone's writing him as like, he's a dirty player. Oh, he's got this mentality of him. Won't be a good pro. He's a dirty player. They go ahead and draft them, or they will be a team that goes, you know what? We don't care what people think about you. We like what you bring to the table, and our coach, Quinn Snyder, can work with you. Our guys will work with you. We are going to make you Unfortunately, an Quinn NBA Snyder pro. hates Grayson Allen, exactly. so that's not working out so and well. And that's a thing of, like, like Sean said, who's making the picks, the yep. GMs or the coaches. I, for me, just everything about Nasir Little and – he can have like you can have the body, and this is any sport. But if you don't have the basketball IQ out there, like Dave, you were mentioning before the podcast, I know where it's like you're watching the Virginia game, and I mean, he's it was focusing short, short on of time. the, but he's focusing on the ball so much to where 
his guy is just like he loses sight of his defender and he yeah, loses that's, where that's his defender year. is. Yeah. And like that's not good. And it's all these like mental errors. Like an article that we had thrown out when you were on the PTP and did the board uh big board with me was there was one practice where and I'm assuming this would be a few, but this is the one that was um documented in the article where they go they stop practice, Roy Williams goes all right, where are you supposed to be? And Nasir I mean, you brought goes, this up last time. I, I, just, and I don't goes, think it's I don't that know. important. I think it's a kid that's young and he's getting used to a college team. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can. He has a, he has a fault. And like, that's, that's a fault. And that's the I don't thing. think that means me, it's unchangeable. Me drafting, and that's with this with a big board is me drafting. I would pass on him. Like I would be like, how much? Because with every prospect, you got to go into. I mean, what have you first seen? off? What what's you, the ceiling? What's, what's the difference the between him and Lewis King? For me, yes. I no for the only I have other person. No, that is Lewis King I have no questions about whether I can coach up Lewis King. I have no questions. Nasir Little. What, what article tons. have you read that has quotes about Lewis King? Who's tons. talking about Lewis King? No one cares about Lewis King. No, what, what, my, what have you heard about that's Lewis not King? My point. My point is, we're not hearing anything about Lewis King. Lewis King plays a little closer being... to Justice Winslow than Nasir Little does. Well, I'm just tossing that out there. That's fine. The point <laughs> is, is we're not sitting there looking at Lewis King. Talking about, oh, he's – and it could be just the stage of North Carolina plays into it as well. When you go to a school like North Carolina, the spotlight's going to be on you a little bit because of your coach, because of the pedigree of that team. Let's be honest, the Pac-12 this year in college basketball, it's not good. I was hearing today on CBS Sports, they're like, hey, well, what's the odds that two teams get into the tournament? And the analyst they had on was like, yeah, Maybe two might be the most that this conference gets in, which is not good because if you have a regular season champ and a tournament champ, there's your two automatic bids. I just, with me, Lewis King, I see a guy that, yes, I'm going to have to coach up. Is he NBA ready? No. He's kind of like what we saw out of, in my case, a Miami and Lonnie Walker of like, I see things that I like there athletically. And I can coach him up. With Nasir Little, I don't see the coaching up because it's just – maybe you can call it my bias, but if I was a GM, I would pass on Nasir Little because I wouldn't be the guy to get the best out of him. My coaches wouldn't be the best to get – or be the ones to get the best out of him. I think the Lonnie Walker thing's a little bit different because Lonnie Walker was – He also had an injury. He had an injury, and Lewis King dealt with injuries too. But I think the biggest thing with uh, with, uh, Lonnie Walker – at least that we saw was he had a smoothness to his game that really started to show a little bit later. I and, and I think Lewis King's super mm-hmm. raw. Lonnie Walker's last game he actually played in, in the NBA, he was 0 of 10. Yeah. Well, he, he's, he got he got smoked by Golden State. Yeah, he hasn't been good. He was also down in the G League a little I know. bit too. Yeah, he, he's, um, he's played in six games this he's year. Been, and he has to deal with his injury, so I'm right. not really sure. I'm just the 0 of 10 game was just, yeah. uh, I just don't mm-hmm. laugh at that. Uh, I feel bad for him. I but, just, my thing with Sincere yeah. Little is the body's there and I think you can't take one quote and not actually know about him. We'll get to we'll get to interviews and, Look, and whatever comes out of interviews about what he is personality wise. The like private workouts, that, all that stuff's gonna build it up. Mm-hmm. I think with Nasir Little, you just have to understand or you have to hope. He he's a hope case. It's he will be a better NBA player than a college player. Mm-hmm. He has the body to be an NBA level defender. There's nothing about him that that says that you should have a concern for a long term injury. Mm-hmm. This ankle thing is a minor one, so don't get too concerned. For me, it just turns into, you know, he's not a full-on bust. He's not Quentin Grimes bad. Like, <laughs> I get it. We have we have the early board mm-hmm. where, you know, you got your you know ESPN top 100, and you're looking at him, and you're like, that dude's going to be a stud, that dude's mm-hmm. going to be a stud. 
you know, it's okay to get them wrong. And this year, little, the reason you were at the top of the board was not for what you had been able to do in college. It was, it was or not for what you had done in college because you hadn't played yet. It was mm-hmm. very much you were able to dominate a worse level competition, and then in some of the games where you will play against other young prospects, you were actually able to shut them down. But how much of that was lack of effort on their part? So. I, think I, an, I just want to say you're you're hopefully going to be a better pro than you are a college player. I think another thing that we could throw out there too is we're giving Cam Reddish the benefit of the doubt that he's playing with uh, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, and maybe he's not a great fit with them. Maybe Naz, uh, Naz Little Bingo. is just not a good fit with UNC. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could be it. It's not that he's not coachable. It's just not yeah. that he's you know I not heard. talented. It's just he might not have the right spot for him got an old man um, coach and old man personality mm-hmm. yeah and, and maybe that's just not good for him I and mean, I, I don't know if you know the heat are going to be the right place for that i don't know if t was going to be the right place for that uh you know pelicans if he goes out in the top 10 is going to be the right place for it but maybe he just needs to get away from uh, all of that and if Fair he's going to be top 15 I, I would be shocked if he doesn't come out uh last guy we're going to hit until we get to the lakers and spurs he's gonna be kevin porter jr uh a guy that was in our top 10 for the past two mock drafts got suspended indefinitely then has been able to come back, but has been dealing with an injury and has not looked good. Nope. Um, Dave, you have him falling all the way to 21. So we won't yeah. talk about him here, but we're talking, well, we won't talk about him there. We'll talk about him here. Why Kevin Porter falling all the way to 21 from pretty much a top 10 pick before? We, ta- we talked early in the season about Kevin Porter's itch factor, you know, and the fact that he had not played many games mm-hmm. after that. We talked about how that was going to protect him. Yeah. That it could only get worse if he came back, and that's exactly what's happened. He's mm-hmm. come back. He's not looked as sharp. He's not looked uh, as smooth on the court with the ball in his hands. His shots aren't dropping the same. I think a lot of Kevin Porter's game, you know, will need to depend on his ability to land those shots and get to the line. That's you know, we always want to model him after a great star, and right now it's hardened for him, yeah. which is you know, obviously off the charts. You know, there's zero chance he gets there. But if there's a if there's a player he's tried to mold himself after, it might be a James Harden. I just have a lot of concerns now that I'm watching him play more. There's more holes to his game. And if he can't get back to where he was to start the season, which, again, even at that point, it was a lot of potential. He wasn't putting up gaudy stat lines or anything mm-hmm. in college. It was just, I see everything I liked in his game. And, you know, that first batch of games that he was able to play before he was out, I was like, okay, this guy could totally translate. And now that I'm watching him more, there's more tape, there's more issues, there's more concerns. I don't know that he falls as far as he does in mine. I think this was very much, I'm reacting to what I'm seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and for me, the big thing is, like, and I know it's not all about stats, but I'll read a stat line. The last game he came back for, which was the February 13th game, only 10 points, 4 of 12 from the field, 1 of 3 from beyond the arc, which, let's be honest, the most threes he's ever taken in a game was against Texas Tech, and he went 2 of 7 in that one. Um, 1 of 2 from the line, and then he's on par with his 5 rebounds, um, his 2 assists, and... I just think for me, let's see how the rest of the year plays out. Like you hit it perfectly. This is an over, even on my part, I feel like it's an overreaction. And for my mock draft, I looked at it and where I have him going to could be possibly the best place to go to. And that's the Boston Celtics. A, you look at that wing depth that they have and he can kind of be like, kind of like a Jalen Brown situation. How much did we rag on Jalen Brown coming out of college? Where and, are his minutes going to come from? Well, and that's the thing. He's For me, I think he is a developmental of like, hey, really? I don't have to come out there and play right away because you've got the guys. They can sit there and kind of coach him up a little bit and work on him. 
with what he's good at, what he needs he's to got do some at the next level. Attitude issues, perhaps. He's got you know whatever those extracurricular Celtics. There. Celtics have bullets in the chamber. They can take some like, and the Celtics they can Fair take point. some chances. And if it doesn't pan out. They're still well, if they still have Kyrie, they have they could just Jabari AD. bird him away. Yeah, <laughs> basically. I think my thing with the Celtics or RJ is, Hunter. Yeah, uh, there's a bigger bullet to shoot, and that would be Paul Ball. So that's well, why I don't have Kemp going board. there. Uh, yeah, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like for for me personally. Yeah, for the ones even, that even check out one through ten, I'm saying he's even, off my board. Even for Dave too, with the Celtics, mm-hmm. uh, he he hasn't gone ball ball too, just because I think that's an easier bullet to swallow because. I mean, he had, he was already coming in before like, we looked at our two early mock draft, mm-hmm. not bef- uh, just before this mock, uh, this before recording this. And Bobo was you know in top three, I think, for two of us. I had him um, at ten, and you had him at. You're talking the way too early. Yeah, way too early. I think you had him maybe off your board. I had yeah, him at three. three. Um, I had him off my board. My bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dave ten, and I'm at three. But I think yeah. Bobo has shown his talent a little bit more, uh, and he's just the guy that's. It. He's also a guy that's just more unique than Kevin Porter. Yeah. Um, so I think the biggest thing with the Celtics is you have an easier shot with the with Bull Bull over Kevin Porter. I have them going to the Pistons just because I, I look at the the guard situation. And I really don't know what they're going to do there. Um, and maybe Dwayne Casey sees a little bit of Demar Derozan in there, uh, just because yeah. Demar wasn't a great shooter and obviously turned into one of the best mid range shooters uh, we've seen in a very long time. And they don't really have a guard who can score. Uh, what are you I mean, talking they have about? RJ, they have, well, let me put it this way. Reggie's Reggie they have Reggie, can only score. They have Reggie who can score, but I'm saying like score and actually help the team. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. be, be a plus out there. That's what I'm trying to say. Like score and be a plus <laughs> at the guard position. Um, so I think that might be something that you can look at with Kevin Porter because he's also not a guy you need to start right away if you're taking him this low because he's dealing with the injuries, dealing with the suspension. You can build him up into something uh, coming off the bench, and you still have Luke Kennard, you have Reggie, you have uh, Blake Andre Drummond. Uh, I, I think that's something that you could work him into uh, would be a speed. starting role. And you got Sophie Mikhailuk as well. Uh, so I, I think Kevin Porter is an interesting case, uh, and I think he's a guy that's probably going to rise up, right? Cause if I, he I, can get back on track, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm seeing right now, a like I said, Maybe the more he, tape I see, the unhappier I am with I him. Think it might but be, if he can catch that groove again, absolutely. He can I think it might be up. tough for him to catch his groove at USC, but if he comes in the combine and shows out, I think he's going to jump. Very good chance. Um Let's move now into the teams. We have the Lakers and Spurs. Uh, Ricky, you want to talk about them because I think there's some mm-hmm. interesting players there. We both yep. have Jackson Hayes, you and I, and uh, Dave, you have uh, Ray Hachimura there. Um, I like the Hachimura pick. I think the Hayes picks makes a little sense just because you're going to be losing JaVale McGee, I believe, after this year because uh, of the contract. Uh, Tyson mm, Ca- uh, Chandler. Yeah, but t- well, at least he's not going to be signed. Yeah, uh, Tyson yeah, yeah. Chandler's not going to be signed as well. Correct. Um, Jackson Hayes fits a very similar role, but much younger. Uh, and that, that's why I think the pick is, would be interesting well, for the Lakers. And this one is interesting because it's kind of the opposite of what my mindset was with the Knicks. Remember the Knicks? I didn't go Jai. I didn't go RJ because I am positive that Kevin Durant's going to go there. Well, the thing here is, am I positive I'm going to get Nate E trade done? And am I positive the Pelicans, with their new GM, are even going to want to trade with me? Are they going to want to send it to me? Because, Dave, now all 29 teams are on the list. The Bulls even have a shot at AD. So, I mean, with me, I just look at their weakest position, and it's the center. And if Jackson Hayes is still there, I ain't going to be very stupid if Magic Johnson isn't personally walking that up to the podium himself to make that, to have Adam Silver make that announcement. 
But, however, Rui Hachimura, if he's there, I would really like that for the Lakers, too. Yeah, for me, it was just I had Rui falling because of his age and because of his upside, because of his lack of an exact fit. But on a team like the Lakers, when they're selling the farm Mm -hmm. to get Anthony Davis right after Mm -hmm. this, it makes perfect sense to go ahead and get Rui Hachimura, a guy who can contribute day one to a team that has high aspirations. And the thing I like most is the guy we threw out there that was a Laker, Kyle Kuzma, well, hey, if I have to include him in an AD trade, oh, why don't I get a guy that we just said is kind of like a Kyle Kuzma player? He's an player. inside-out Kyle Kuzma. Well, mm-hmm. then how would a guy that's a little bit lower on all of our boards, uh, Ricky, even into the mm-hmm. uh, 21 through 30 segment uh, sec- section, uh, Jonte Porter play if he plays well at the combine? If he, that, if he shows that he's past his injury, mm-hmm. would that be a guy that the Lakers could look at? If yes. he's not slow as shit again. Yes. Like, no. he, you have to admit, his his mm-hmm. first combine, his first run, which I love mm-hmm. that the, the NBA opened this up so you can go figure out where you're at yeah. and then you can choose to return if you don't like where you're at. Um, he was he was the worst on the cone drill. He was so slow. He, he lacks complete agility. And obviously coming off of this injury, I don't know. He's got to he fix will... that speed coming off of a knee injury. Right? Like th- <laughs> that, that concerns me a lot. But I... what if he's quicker this time? Because he is a guy who has shown pretty good basketball mm-hmm. IQ. To, you yeah. Know, he's a no, smart I mean, player. He, he's smart. He's got a good shot. But I'm concerned about the, the game speed. And a team like the Lakers where they are so up pace, up tempo, they kill the fast break situation. I don't think he's a good fit there at all. I'm gonna, Ricky. I'm going to throw... Dave. Sorry. But Dave. What about the trailing three? Ah, uh, you got. I love the trailing <laughs> three. You know me. I'm gonna throw this out there, and I don't think we've ever mentioned this with John Tay, but let's say we get to the combine, which in my mind he's not skyrocketing up my big or up my mock draft up my big board until that time. But what if we get to the combine and he's still just slow because of coming off that knee injury? He could be a guy that if that happens. All right, I came off this knee injury. I'm gonna go back to school for one more oh, year. No, no way in hell. One more There's year. No way in hell. Like, but that's the thing. If you are Jonte Porter, what is going through your mind? Let's say that happens. Yeah, I mean that'd be you terrifying. You are slow. Do I go out there and maybe like risk being a second round pick, or do mm-hmm. I say, you know what, I'm coming off the injury. I'll come back to school for one more year to show you what you got. Two? Just, I'm just saying, just what because if. contract control, I think that a team would take a shot on it, like 27 mm-hmm. through 30. Even if he does, I, I don't think there's a way he falls out just because you want that money. You want to be able to say, I played in the NBA, and then just at least have a shot to get that money because then you don't want that injury happening or re happening. Your family's already Yeah, cursed. like four or five mm-hmm. so, like for individual siblings. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I would not. I would go for the money at this point. Yeah, it's, I, it's a safe bet. I don't think he's going to fall out of the, the first round, but even if he does, I don't think he's going to drop out of the uh, the the NBA draft. Um, let's move to the last team. It's going to be the Spurs. Um, I have Kobe White going there. Uh, Ricky, you have P.J. Washington. Mm-hmm. Dave, you have our boy Casey Akpala. Uh, you want to talk about the Spurs. Why, why do you think they're interesting here? I think they're interesting because they're going to be coming off of an overachieving year, maybe? and they're <laughs> Possibly. Gonna be they might back, be picking a little bit higher. And they're going to gain back their best point guard, mm-hmm. which is Awesome! Mm-hmm. I'm I, I'm super excited that they're going to have Dejounte Murray back leading this team. He's someone who you know all teams second defense, right? Yes. Uh, absolutely phenomenal defensively, and if he spent any time in his rehab getting that shot back, dirty. They've mm-hmm. added in nice pieces, uh, complimentary pieces with Bryn Forbes being able to develop into a yeah. great three point shooter. Uh, I think that obviously the the big key for this is Casey Akpala fits their need because Rudy Gay has been. Good 
and a nice piece, but you need to have a star or, or someone with that star potential to come up. And KZ can be a ball handler. He can be a scorer. He, he can facilitate. He can rebound. Like He's got good size to him. Speak, I really like his speaking game. Speaking of DeJounte Murray, I saw this on Twitter, and I got to bring it up. Yeah. So NBA and ESPN posted a tweet about this was the 5th of uh, – Fifth or sixth of February, like what big move should happen? And on the picture it says eighty to Spurs, and in the trade is Dejounte Murray. He quoted it and said in all caps, "Take my name out this dumbass trade!" <laughs> Exclamation points, facepalm emoji. That's pretty at good. NBA at ESPN NBA. So like I saw that this week and I was like, "All right, uh, Dejounte Murray got a little bit of a Twitter game going on." For me, I just look at it and I go, all right, give, like for them, they've got two picks. And for me, both forwards are what I'm looking for, a four and a three. And at this point in the draft, I looked at it and I went, you know what? There's a good section of fours that could go here that might not be there when my pick rolls up at 29. And I just took the best four for me on the board, and that's P.J. Washington. Like, not a lot of brain power went into this My pick. idea with the Kobe White pick was just because you, you have DeJounte Murray coming mm-hmm. back, but we haven't seen DeJounte be a scorer. Right. Um, but we've seen him be a great defender. And I think Kobe White has shown consistently that he can score every single way for the for the Tar Heels. I really like Kobe White, And yeah. I think that if you're able to pair those two guards, that might be able to take you into the next future of the Spurs. Because, mm-hmm. yes, you have DeRozan right now. You have LaMarcus Aldridge right now. Um, you'll have him next season. But... Uh, will that be the future of the Spurs? And will you want to still play out inside out pretty much of you know attacking, attacking, and then you know hitting threes when it's important and you're getting wide open threes because you're taking the less amount of threes uh, right. in, in the NBA. You're getting open shots because you're moving, working the ball around. Um, we don't know how long Pop's going to be there, and maybe the idea is to gain a little bit of speed. And I think Kobe White brings that speed. He brings that scoring that DeJounte Murray lacks on a consistent basis. Um, and I think that would be a nice guard pairing because – you know, yes, you're still going to have uh, DeRozan there next year, but that just gives Kobe White the ability to come off the bench, take pressure off of him. And then once uh, DeRozan comes back, you could possibly move Murray to the two. He can guard two guards and ones and just have him guard the better uh, guard. Yeah. And then have Kobe White at least handle the ball a little bit more and, and be a guy who penetrates and dishes out. Um, I think he's a guy that you definitely need to watch out for. I think Kobe White has shown enough to be that other scoring guard. Uh, for the Spurs and take them into the, the next future and next uh, rendition that the uh, Spurs will become, uh, whether that's under Pop or not. I just really like that Kobe White pick. And I think you look at the Spurs, they have a lot of different options to go to, whether that be mm-hmm. center. Um, I yeah. really like the idea of Bruno Fernando there. Um, even a Naz Reed, I know you guys hate him, uh, or a Jante Porter to add to that four spot. A three for sure with Casey Akpala, that would be something that they could add to. There is no spot that they shouldn't really address just because right. the Spurs are a team that always uses their depth. They're always using their youth. And, yes, they even dropped Lonnie Walker. We didn't even talk about him uh, in this in this topic with the Spurs. But he's a guy at, I write at the down two, too. you know, shitty shooting. But, yeah. yeah. But even but I'm saying, like, for the Spurs spot, we didn't yeah. to bring yeah. him up. A guy they drafted last year, he's a guy that can even come in and add more scoring. To Spurs this are slow well. starters. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just let's just say that. Like, they're, they're, mm-hmm. they do a lot of developmental kind of guys, but they do get a lot out of them. So I think that, yeah, going for someone like a – uh, Kobe White, who I think is fantastic. He's one of the better players on that team, potentially better than this year. Little, I'm just tossing out there. That's fine. Um, it's more about NBA potential, not exactly, college, but, exactly uh, production. Yeah, so I think I, I, I like Kobe because he can score multiple levels. I think he could be a combo guard, like you suggested. You know, potentially trading off between that one and two spot. So I would I would think that would be an interesting pairing. 
but yeah, the, the Lonnie Walker fit on that team, who knows? But I would not worry about that when planning this year's draft. Mm-hmm. All right, that's going to do it for the 11 through 20. Any final thoughts? No, no right. whatsoever. Let us know your thoughts down in the comments below. If you have any thoughts, we will feature it on the mailbag next week. But let's jump into the final segment. We are doing 21 through 30 in our Mock Draft 3.0. Don't forget to rate us five stars on iTunes if you haven't already. And if you are just joining us on YouTube, don't forget to leave any reactions uh, to our uh, Mock Draft 21 through 30 uh, down in the comments because we'll be doing a mailbag uh, at the end of the week. I bet people who listen to the full podcast are sick of me saying that, so I'm going <laughs> to stop saying it. Ricky, give me your 21 through 30. So my... I, 21 through 30, you think I'd have it pulled up by now, but I keep forgetting that this is how we do things. Um, but at 21, I've got Bruno Fernando out of Maryland going to the Cavs via the Rockets. Then I got Grant Williams, the forward from Rocket Top, Tennessee, going to Portland and being a trailblazer. Then at 23, the Sixers, they will take the Jonte Porter from Missouri, from Hurt, however you want to look at it. Then at 24, Eric Pascal, the forward from Villanova, Hova. Then at number 25, Dietrich Lawson, another forward, going to if going to the Thunder via Kansas. Then the Pacers taking Zach Norville Jr., the last Bulldog I have coming off the board. Then the Nets via the Nuggets going Shamori Pons, the guard from St. John's. The Warriors then go Admiral Schofield, the forward out of Tennessee. Then KZ Akpala, forward from Stanford, going to the Spurs via the Raptors. And then Iggy Brizdikis. The forward from Michigan going to the Milwaukee Bucks. Dave, 21 to 30. Sure thing. At number 21, I've got the Cavs going with Kevin Porter Jr. Long fall, baby. Uh, at 22, I've got the Trailblazers taking P.J. Washington. At 23, the 76ers will be taking Ty Jerome. At 24, the Celtics going with Trey Jones. 25, I've got the Thunder taking Eric Paschal. At 26, I've got the Pacers going with Lugans Dort. 27, the Nets will be taking Daniel Gafford. 28, I've got the Warriors going with Zach Norvell Jr. because you need shooting on top of your shooting on mm-hmm. top of your shooting. Uh, 29, I've got uh, the Spurs going with Luka Samanek because Euro, Spurs, enough said. And at number 30, I've got the Bucks going with Cassius Winston. And it's also their second pick, the Spurs, so that's another reason why they might be going international. Yeah. Uh, my 21-30, Cavs going with KZ Akpala from Stanford. 22, the Trailblazers going P.J. Washington from Kentucky. 23, the 76ers going A.U. Dasunmu, I believe that's how you say Dasumu. it. Dasunmu. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Illinois. Uh, 24, Celtics going with Bruno Fernando from Maryland. 25, the Thunder going Naz Reed, my boy, from LSU. We got the Pacers, 26, I can't see, I'm blind. Uh, Lugans Dort going to the Pacers. Uh, 27, Nets going with Luca, uh, international, that uh, Dave said. Uh, 28, it's also their second pick. So, uh, is it their second pick? Mm-hmm. The Nets, yes. Yeah, it is. Uh, sorry, I didn't see them. They got Brandon Clark with the first um, one. That's right. Uh, Nets going with Lucas Samick. Uh, and then 28, the Warriors going with Daniel Gafford from Arkansas. Uh, 29, Spurs going with Goga Bitazde. Bit- you just Bitazde. crush it together. Yeah, We said that. Uh, Bitazde, we said that last time. And then uh, 30, uh, Bucks going with Matthias Theibel uh, from Washington, uh, the stud defender who All that is defense. going to be a great shooter for the Bucks. And hey, so here's my thing. I'm going to start <laughs> off with. We have the guys already lined up. This is my thing about Matthias Thibel. I know we're gonna we had we picked our players. Fuck it. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna add him. to No, the don't. List. It's fine. It's I am. Short rant. Right. Um, Short rant. Matthias Thibel. If you're looking at him, you're like, oh wow, he can't score. He's scoring under ten a game. He's shooting like thirty-seven percent, thirty-six percent, thirty-five percent from three. You look at what he did with an actual facilitator. He was shooting around forty percent, and his 
numbers have increased. So I think if you look at what he's done, especially from the line, I think he's going to be a good shooter. He's going to be a good 3 and D player. He is a guy that is going to be a guy coming off the bench that is going to give you consistent minutes, consistent effort, consistent hustle. And if you're putting him out there with Giannis Antetokounmpo, if he gets a steal, if he gets a block, it's going the other way. It's going to be a bucket. So I think it's a great pick. Um, but let's start off <laughs> truly with the Trailblazers. I'm sorry. Uh, the Trailblazers. Uh, I have him going P.J. Washington. Dave has him going P.J. Washington. Ricky, you have him going Grant Williams. Mm-hmm. We all have him, have him going with fours. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Trailblazers? Because I was asked a question on Instagram, and I'll get the the, the person who asked us uh, the the name uh, on Instagram. If you have, don't have an IG, uh, added us on IG. Check us out at Most Valuable Pod. Um, but the question was pretty much: if they don't make it to the first, uh, past the first round again, or they don't make the playoffs, do you get rid of Dame? I'm not in the camp of getting rid of Dame just because he's a franchise. The question was brought up though, but. Do you possibly think if they don't get it past the first round, they need to change up the way this team looks? Because you finally need to kind of get a breath of fresh air because you made it to the playoffs. I think five straight years, if you make it this year, it'll be six straight. I yeah. think you haven't gotten past the first round in about like four years. So is a change needed in Portland if they don't make it past the first round again? Not on that level. <laughs> not on giving up Dame. Like, I don't think that it's a change, but... I do feel like if you don't get well, past the first round... I will round, say, it's, it's godly it's godly sauce, be more, mm-hmm. underscore. Um, and he said, hey, MUT, do you, I wanted to ask, do you believe Damian Lillard is expendable or wrong word, but do Trailblazers entertain offers if they miss, uh, if they get exited in the first round? Or if the Lakers no. give you the Godfather offer? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to say no. However, I did think that if they don't make it past the first round... I did like the phrasing you said of change things up because for me, and this is all predicated on if like a Trey Jones is there, but even like if you like a Shimori Pons, you can make a stab at that too. At 22, if they don't make it past the first round, not moving Dame, drafting someone behind him. Because right now the only point guard on the roster is Dame. Like do you then say, hey, you know what? What we are going to do is we're going to kind of retro this and – Hey, Trey Jones is here. Oh, Shamori Pons is here. We're going to draft this person to be under Dame in case we have to move Dame. We can kind of start bringing up the next guy if we have to move him. I'm not saying they do do that. I'm just saying there's I an didn't. Anthony on this team who we were we mm-hmm. were pretty hopeful of his developmental prospects last year at this time. So I don't know if you want to give up on him yet. He's mm-hmm. very young. He looks like a 12-year-old saint mm-hmm. on the bench. Uh, but he, he also have Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr. more of a two guard, but mm-hmm. but again, they've got that young pair of the future. So mm-hmm. it is it is an interesting question. I My, mean, for me, I just looked at it and I went the four because they've got Scal and uh, Alfred well, Camino. Here's the thing that I what I'm going to throw out there is I brought up the fact of change of place because I agreed don't get rid of Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've realized with the Trailblazers is that they're one of the slower teams in the NBA. They they're uh, they're in the bottom half. Uh, when it comes to pace. And the whole thing about pace is how many possessions you're getting in a game. And if you look at Dame's per 100 possession stats, he averages 36, point point, uh, 36 points uh, per, per 100, uh, 8.7 assists per 100, 6 rebounds per 100, 3.8 turnovers, so that's an 8.7 to 3.8 uh, assist to turnover ratio, um, on 11.9 makes on 26 uh, field goals attempted, he's shooting 45% from the field, uh, make about four threes, to about 10.6 threes attempted, which is good for 37%. And then for free throws, he's going to line uh, 9.2 times, making 8.3, and that's good for 90.7%. And if you look at the top 10 of players in points per per 
points per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. He is the only player that has a pace, like his team is the slowest mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to pace outside of James Harden. Yeah. But James Harden's a different level. Um, every other team plays quicker, plays faster, plays, you know, uh, at, a, at a higher pace. And I've just thought, like, should they play at a higher pace? And a big thing that's going to, you know, constrain them is the contracts of Myers Leonard, Evan Turner, and uh, Mo Harkless to get them off the team. And obviously Nurkic, because Nurkic is a great player. He's on a great contract. You really don't want to get rid of him. Yeah. But he's a guy who's seven feet tall, 245 or something like that, 265 even. He's uh, a big boy. That really can't play at a high pace. But you look at Zach Collins on that bench. You look at CJ. You look at Dame. Would it be smart for them to go away from Nurkic and, and try to change up to go to a quicker team, quicker, higher pace? Um, and my thought was maybe you go with a guard. I don't think they're going to end up doing that. But that was just a discussion that I, I thought mm-hmm. we could possibly have because when Dame plays above, when they play, Blizzard play, play above their average, Dame scores about a point more a game, uh, grabs more boards, dishes out more assists, turns the ball over like 0.1% more. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a better shooter from the field, uh, 43.6% compared to 39%. From three, he's a worse shooter, um, but he gets to the line more and actually converts more shots. So he's a better player when you play at a higher p- pace. Right. I just think that that might be an opportunity for them to explore. That's why I was thinking them possibly going with a guard. Um, the guy I was thinking was Ayo Dasunmu. Thank you. Uh, I, I know how to pronounce it. It's just not connected. You said it like six times before the show, mm-hmm. and you still, yeah. Yeah. I just uh, call sorry. Ayo. I, I like him with Ayo because... <laughs> Wait, hey, Ricky, what's the hand gesture it's there? It's like, Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> Flashing uh, signs on the show. Well, that, Cover that, that up. I that, blew that Ayo out. That's his Mopo. chant. That's his chant. Uh, oh, my God. That's Ayo. Good. Ayo. Ayo from Mopo. But anyways, uh, I just thought maybe you go with another guard because if you need to get rid of that Avin Turner, yeah. the... The Moharkas thing, maybe you look to move CJ because CJ's been a piece that's been in rumors before. Um, and maybe you just try to, you know, build more guards and the depth of guards around uh, uh, around Damian Lillard. Uh, however, I think they're just going to go off with the same thing that they're doing is get wings who can shoot around Damian yep. CJ. That's why I went with PJ Washington. That's why you went with PJ Washington. But why'd you go with Grant Williams? Why are you liking Grant Williams? Grant Williams to me is he's just a special guy. Um, I'm looking what Tennessee is doing. I can't wait to see. What they do against uh, Kentucky tonight as we're recording this on Saturday. And he is just a guy at the four that can get you points from the foul line. He'll get you points under the basket. He'll get you points from three. And like right now, Dave, you're watching it with me. The 43 perform. 43-point performance he had against Vandy this season. Like, he is a guy that can kind of bring some energy to this team. Because, let's be honest, it's kind of like, I look at the Blazers, and they're a little stagnant. Where they've had Dane, they have CJ. Not getting out of the first round has kind of made it a kind of a stagnant atmosphere. But now they got Jake for Lehman. the Blazers. Yeah, he's been Jake. laying down some smack on people. <laughs> well, he's a great I, cutter too. So I think that I really if do you like Jake Lehman. Not memeing. I, I do. I like thought him. you were. I thought you were uh, throwing a little bit of shade. No, he's actually been okay. really good. Uh, I mean, Scales worthless. Uh, Alfred Camino, uh obviously, he's like this is his last year on his contract. But yeah, come next year, Evan Turner's on his last year of his contract. Mo Harkless, last year his contract. There is twenty nine million dollars that you have just freed up, mm-hmm. so they'll be in a better situation uh, come next year. I I do think that you know going for a four who can spot up and shoot, or perhaps uh, someone like Grant Williams mm-hmm. who is a leader on his team and I think has that maturity to come into the NBA and he's a very unselfish player at times, so he knows he can score. But if he can get other guys involved, he usually tries to get them going early in the game, which I really like out of him. I think it, it definitely shows some leadership qualities from him. So 
him coming to a team it's already in the playoff hunt, mm-hmm. I think that's a really good fit character-wise for The him. one thing I will say, and this is kind of mm-hmm. a little bit out of the Blazers draft, is uh, if you're a Blazer fan kind of hoping for, hey, we'll get out of the first round this year, yeah, don't count on it because four through eight, which they'll probably finish, um, they're either playing the Rockets, which is them at four, the like Thunder, yeah, the Nuggets, or the Warriors. The Rockets are a matchup they can win. I just don't see it happening. And Thunder, Nuggets, Warriors, I don't see them beating any of those teams in a seven-game series. I could see him possibly taking down the Nuggets. Uh, yep. But with Same. Grant Williams, we'll, instead of going to the other team, mm-hmm. Sixers, let's stay in your Tennessee thing because you want to talk about yes. Admiral Schofield as well. Both on Tennessee. Mm-hmm. What do you like about both of them, at least when it comes to the pros? Just both of them for me, They so Grant Williams, like I said, he can step out from three. But he's only averaging about one, one and a half per game. So at the four, he's not going to be like a true, like a true stretch. But he's got a shooting motion and a good shot because he's hitting over eighty percent from the foul line. He's a guy that, and why I had him go to the Blazers is he just adds energy. He's offensive, defensive. No matter what side of the ball he's on, he's going to give you energy on the court. Admiral Schofield, maybe this is because he's playing alongside Grant Williams. Like you said, he tries to get his teammates going early in the game. This is a guy at the three position. Doesn't go to the line uh, a whole ton, which mm-hmm. is one thing where I'd be like, hey, let's try to get to the line. But, like, he's a guy that's hitting from 40% from three, and he's averaging at least almost five a game. Yeah, And they're both scorers in a sense of for college. I know it would be like 16 and 19 or a little low for NBA standards, but – you're playing a college game, not the NBA game right now. And I'm just impressed what they're doing together, and their team is on such a roll. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what they can do at the next level. Admiral's kind of like, he's a quiet scorer, too. It's a thing like his points just kind of collect at the end of the game. Oh, wow, mm-hmm. he, had, he had a pretty good game. I feel like a player like Grant Williams, he has those kind of momentum-swinging scores where he can really pull a team up together with some of the dunks, just absolutely bringing some uh, enthusiasm and just passion to it. Admiral, defensively, the dude can swap everywhere. I love him. Um, and I think he's a guy who I had in my uh, 2.0, I believe. And he fell out of this one. Yeah, I had him going like 25 or 26 in the 2.0. And I love him. But like, I mm. there's a lot of players this year. And like I said, the, the depth of this draft, because it's so close, it, it's, it's very interchangeable between mm-hmm. a lot of these guys. So being a good defender and a 3 and D player, Looks great. I'm curious how much of that is just the Tennessee effect, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're and playing I, on a veteran-heavy team. I also question his transition to the pros because a guy like Matthias Thibault, like he's doing it with nobody around him, mm-hmm. but also he just has that body. He has that quickness. Is Admiral Schofield because he's he's not like a typical guard. He, he's a, he's built like a brick shit house. Um, <laughs> well, he has. I think he'll play more of the three. And that's, the but he, they think he's gonna be a massively undersized three because he's gonna be like he's like what six five I think he's six six. Okay. Um, like I don't know from if he's Zion, a, Illinois. I don't know if he's gonna be a three exactly. Um, but we'll we'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's move now to the 76ers. We want to talk about them. Uh, I have Ao going there, Ricky. You have Jonte going there, and then uh, Dave. You have Ty Jerome going there. Uh, first, let's talk about what the Sixers need exactly mm-hmm. in this draft. Dave, we'll start with you. What do the Sixers need in your mind? It's hard because there's a lot that, and I know this is Ricky's point, so I want to dive to it. Is mm-hmm. there's a lot that rides on their free agency? Yep. The, the end of this year turns into, please don't play the Celtics in the playoffs, mm-hmm. is, their, is their success line right there. Um, please which don't is, lose to the Celtics in I, the playoffs either. If they play them, they'll lose to them. <laughs> uh, a lot of the time, that's sort of the, the recent thing. So, sorry, sorry Jake. Jake. 
Uh, Jesus. <laughs> but this is team. If they do return Jimmy Butler as well as uh, Toby, I think that they're, they're in desperate need of that depth and scoring off of the bench. And for me, I look at a player like Ty Jerome, a guy who can give you some good scoring, doesn't need a ton of usage, doesn't need the ball in his hands, but he's a proficient shooter from the outside. You need to replace Landry Shamit. Like, I loved him. I thought he was like the perfect guy to learn under JJ Redick. And the prospect of him at the next level is good. So I look for someone in a very similar vein. But Virginia, you know, you get the benefit of someone who actually plays defense. Yeah. So Ty Drome not only is a good score on low usage, but also he's a good defender out there, which they desperately need another guard who can step up. Well, that's my thing is, and before we get to Ricky and your mm-hmm. point, um, I'm not too worried about the free agency because, yes, they have to sign uh, Tobias, they have to sign Jimmy, and they all have to make that work with mm-hmm. their, their mm-hmm. cap space. I'm also going to have J.J. Reddick coming up. Um, I think that they're going to do their best to make it work and make sure that starting five comes back. Will yeah. it happen? We don't know, and I don't think we're going to have a better uh, idea yeah, until Jimmy could have a bad last day, um, and they want to go somewhere else. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to have until July comes. But what I do know right now, if the plan works out and they're keeping it, and even if this plan doesn't work out, mm-hmm. I still think they need guard help. Yeah. Um, I know this is going to be to Jake's dismay, but you know, T.J. McConnell is he going to Goat? be? Well, is he going to be a I'm guy sorry, that can, no. can that can be your, know. your you know your your second guard coming off the bench? Um, and I don't know if he has yeah. that at all. And especially him getting older, um, he might become a smart player that can still be like your 13th or 12th man on the bench. Yeah. Um, but a guy in he's Ayo like a 36-year-old JJ Barea. Yeah. A guy in Ao who I really like. Um, a guy who's really come up in my board. I know a lot of people think he needs a second year there, or people think that he's just going to stay there, which is absolutely fine. He should he he should definitely take in what's best for him. Um, but what I've seen from him, and especially going to a playoff team like the 76ers, um, I think that you look at what he's able to do from a scoring standpoint. And I especially look at that Michigan State game, and that Michigan State game kind of changed my mind because you look at that last shot that he hit, the one that pretty much, I think, tied the game up. or The one where Dan Dockich was like, oh, don't say that one, and then he nailed yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> That exact one. The release time on that was NBA level quick. It was like I instant. timed it. It was point five. <laughs> even the Ste- one, and, and I timed one from Steph. Steph mm-hmm. was point six. And even, that was Steph this year. Even the one that he hit against Ohio State was mm-hmm. like just he, as quick. He has such a quick release. Yeah, and I know he's he's, he's not really squared up. His knees kind of uh, going the wrong way. I think it's his right knees going the wrong way uh, on one of a sh- and when it, and his, when he goes up for a shot, but. I mean, he's making a very decent amount of them, and he has a kind of a low uh, trajectory where he holds the hand in front of his face. Um, and I, I think that's definitely something that's to be worrisome. But when you're looking at a kid who's 19 years old, is six four, possibly six five, with a six nine wingspan, like this is a kid that can be extremely dangerous. And I think that we can't really overlook the potential of him. Yeah. Is he a polished product? No, but that's why he's going 23. I think he can be an absolute steal. And I think if he goes and tries to test the waters like we've seen and he gets a first-round grade, I think he's a guy that comes out. And I think even 23, if he comes out, 23 might be a little bit too low because Trey Jones is a guy that mm-hmm. I think is, is a very smart player, is a guy that's going to be able to help a team. But if we're talking about potential and we're talking about the NBA draft, I think AO is a guy that can be a very well, quick riser. And the thing about AO, and I know that, like, for me, I've watched him all year because yeah. Illinois is my team. The biggest thing up until these last four games, like the big win streak, mm-hmm. has been his consistency. Like, there will be games where it's like against Michigan. Yeah, we lost. But he went 10 of 16. He had 23 points in that game. But then it's like, 
Ooh, against uh, Minnesota, you played 36 minutes and you only got six points, three and nine. What's going on, Ale? Like, it would be a lot of those. Like, ooh, he got 20 points here. Ooh, two points here. Ooh, 23 here. Yeah. Ooh, eight points here. We're in the last four. It's been 13 in the first one, then 24-12, which is his lowest. But it was still good well, compared to, like, 15. And that, to me, is Well, and just AO. to build off that, you're, yeah. you're 100% right, because you even mm-hmm. look at the beginning of the year. Like, he had the 25-point yep. game against Georgetown, and then he mm-hmm. had 6, 13, 19, 6, yep. 8, 10, 5, and, 10, 2. And then went on a route. And that was him still adjusting, like, yeah. from high school to college. But even too. then, you look at that Florida Atlantic game to that Iowa game, mm-hmm. he averages 20 points over those games, with mm-hmm. none uh, the lowest being 15. And then he goes 8, and then 20, and then 6, and then he's on that four-game four, mm-hmm. three, uh, four game run that you're talking about where he's uh, been double-digit at most of them. The consistency has not been there, and it's a great point. I am scared. Like, and I'm talking as an Illinois fan now. I'm scared. Like, as soon as I heard that he is getting, like, draft talk, and, like, as soon as I saw oh, yeah. that Mark has I'm first like, round hype. nope, I'm like, keep that away. Because I've got two quotes here, and one's from him, one's from his dad, and they're totally drastic mindsets in my mind. Whereas like, cause the Tribune, Chicago Tribune did an article about how he's like, he's not a four year player. Is he ready for the NBA now? And when they were talking to him, he said, if I pull it up again, AO goes, I really don't like to focus on that. It would be self selfish to my teammates. I'm just trying to be the best I can be. Me and my coaches know we're trying to focus on what's at hand we're just focused on what we need to do now. Sounds like a one and done answer. But <laughs> when they, well, I see it as no, I see, I see it as he's staying. But oh, okay. the dad is to me where could he leave? Where his dad, Kwam Dasumu, goes, there's nothing set in stone. This isn't the 80s or the 90s where you, where you say you're going and you can't come back to college. For me to tell you he won't do that, get NBA feedback, I'd be lying. If he needs one more year, okay, he needs one more year. If everyone says he's guaranteed to be drafted, there's stuff we'll we'll look at. Yeah, and I mean, for me as an Illinois fan, that scares me because next year I see the development he has. Mm-hmm. And this this kid, if he doesn't get it this year, because I don't think we'll make the NCAA tournament, he could have a special sophomore year plus March Madness hype on top of it. Yeah. Do you think that if he goes back, he could be a top 10 pick next year? No doubt. No doubt about wow. it. I think he's a top 10 pick. This I kid is it, special. I, I mean, we'll they do have a good draft class coming into Illinois. So. Jet life. Well, I think yeah, we'll have to see it more about life. the other prospects coming into next year because you know we could talk, tout it as a, a good one, we could tout it as a bad one now, but we have no idea what, what's going to happen until we actually get to Yeah, uh, we don't know who's going to commit early. So. Um, I, I, I think that it's possible that he has a rise uh, different from John Morant, but maybe more similar to Jarrett Culver. Um, maybe something like that, but I, I wouldn't bank on it. I think, I don't know really where he can grow much as outside of the consistency and then outside of a passer. And maybe if he does have better teammates, he'll show his passing ability. Um, and probably as a defender, too. Um, there, there are definitely knocks at him, and I, I wouldn't doubt him. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. You know, bash him for going back. Um, but yeah, basically, but I, I agree. With I think him, top he 10 is too much of a rise. The, okay. The thing that I will say about him that I really like, and mm-hmm. this kind of goes into where he's playing now, he's a guy that even, let's say, he, let's say he's drafted by the Grizzlies or he's drafted by the Knicks, a team where, like with the Knicks, what we've talked about where it's been 
you know, they've never, like, who's going to bring them a championship? They haven't been anywhere near it. Or, like, with Memphis, where, let's be honest, we've kind of been ragging on Memphis mm-hmm. in the later years. He's a guy that no matter where it is, he's going to go and give his 110% because he was a guy that could have went anywhere that offered him. But he said, nope, I want to stay here. I want to go to my school in my state and build this program. And he's going to bring that to the NBA. And shout out Morgan Park. Uh, he's a product of a very close by. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so let's move now to the player player discussions. So we talked about the 76ers. They need well, a guard. They need, oh, you want to add only more thing, things? Yeah, the sure. only thing I just want to throw Ricky, out. Got him going, John well, no, no, no. They it's just Jonte is because let's say they keep everyone. Do If Jonte's there, do they go, hey, we've done it before. We've drafted... Um, ben Simmons had him sit a year. Like, well, Jonathan doesn't need to sit a year. But He's going to be healthy by that point. He's medically cleared. No, no, no. But let, let's say they go, hey, you know what? You didn't have the best combine. Let's say he doesn't. We'll go off of the um, extreme to the low end. Would they take a Jontae knowing that, hey, this year is going to be you kind of just rehabbing? Like you are going to do everything you can to get ready to play I think in the, the Sixers NBA. are kind of sick of that shit, championship right? timeline. Yeah, I mean, look, they're, they they drafted Zaire and Zaire mm-hmm. had his unfortunate thing with the infection. They had Markel, they had Joel, they had Ben Simmons. Like, I think they're just sick of that shit. Like, or it's I think just it, a I think stick, it, man. I think if they're looking at Pascal, and you know, I think they'd rather go Pascal, or they'd go show Schofield, or they go Lawson. Like, they just want a player who can play. Yeah, I think that's a big. They need thing for someone them. who fits their timeline, and that's. I, I don't think that you know. Jonte, I like the player, but like he's mm. he's going to be too raw. He's even not going like, to be able to contribute at the end of uh, playoff runs. I know Jake hasn't been too high on Furcon, but even at least Furcon's out there playing. Like get a mm-hmm. guy who can play. That's the only thing yep. that matters. Um, let's move into player discussion now. Uh, Dave, you want to talk about Cassius Winston? Hell yeah! First he, time. <laughs> well, not not really the first time. First time. I feel like I've talked about him before. But, but I think you have. He's the first time okay. on the mock draft. Yeah, you had him on a big board. I had him on a big That's board. That's where okay. you had him. Solid. Uh, yeah, first time on the mock draft. I love Cassius Winston. He is a fantastic point guard. I think he is like bred to be an NBA backup point guard and like that fill-in guy. <laughs> wow, what a we're what at pick a, thirty. <laughs> Screw you guys. I, I know. At thirty, you're either taking stabs in the dark or you're taking established <laughs> players. He's an established player. I'm just messing with you. Y'all man. can go fuck yourselves. <laughs> Cash Winston, great player. He's got good pedigree coming from a. Daddy, a great I coach. want to be the president. Nope, you're gonna be. But like, can you, you can't settle get for there. mayor? <laughs> Not even that. Just like a, I think, uh, I think it's a pretty big step down for President. No, nope, he's going to be. This kid is not President Dave. He's head of the neighborhood watch. Now that's that's insulting. <laughs> no, I'm not saying that about him. No, come on. He's putting up almost 19 uh, three boards and seven assists a game. Just over two turn or just over two turnovers a game. Like he is a good player. Mm-hmm. He's a smart guard. He can play defense. Offensively, he is solid. Like. I think he has one of the most well-rounded point guard games, and he doesn't get enough credit for it. I will just say, um, last guard to go, 30th overall, was Josh Hart. Huh. So, I mean, that was pr- it's pretty good company. Huh. Uh, also, Kevon Looney went 30th overall, and Omari Spellman. Huh. Uh, so, some... Uh, and K- Slow-mo! Slow-mo was a 30th Not overall Not terrible pick. company. I don't know, I'm just looking at 30 over- overall yeah. picks. Um, I-, I like Cassius. I, I think he's a-, a fun guard to watch. I just don't know if he's... 30th range just exactly six one and a little older yeah well he's small like I, I don't know like will he be able to defend at all in the nba level he'll be fine Here, he's a backup point guard here's the thing you still need to be decent yeah he it, like i'm saying like a decent game, defender i yeah, don't know like i don't know if he's gonna be able to be a decent defender because of his size his defense defensive box plus minus i know college numbers are all kind of thrown mm-hmm. off but mm-hmm. like he's been positive every single year 0.2, 0.7, 0.8. uh his defensive rating was 100 this year 
Like he is not a bad defensive player. Is defensive he win share is one point three. I don't think he's Jimmy Butler, but I do think he is a competent player who's going to put up. You know, probably about, he'll give you twenty, probably fifteen to twenty minutes a night of consistent play. Like he he's a notch a he's in that nice six man role. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the Jeremy Lin style expectations of. He's coming in. We're not dropping off the face of the earth because we handed the ball off to TJ McConnell. I, I'm just for, taking shots at Jake now. I'm going to mm. throw this analogy out there and see how you like it. And it's not just because he comes from the same team. Sure. I could see, to double down on your uh, NBA backup thing, yep. this might be a little bit raising that bar. I could see his ceiling being Draymond Green to a team. Where uh-huh. it's like, hey, I was taken really low, but I came in here. Michigan State no, I said it's not just because of the school he comes <laughs> from. Um, but he could be a guy that you draft early second, late first, and he comes in and he's not the star of your team, but at the most, he's the guy that you bring up and he is a face of that team along with your stars. Yeah, for forget sure. To, forget yeah. to mute your computer over Maybe, there, big guy? Uh, no, Jake sent me something on Twitter. I didn't know it was going to automatically start playing. Uh, okay. It was something about Tom Brady. Uh, my bad. Very uh, professional, Sean. It's a Tom Brady. Uh, well, yeah. no, I'm getting a ton of updates about the skills challenge. Apparently, it's it's pure comedy. Oh, great. Uh, great. So I uh, just want to throw that out there. If you haven't watched the skills challenge, definitely do so. Apparently, uh, Luca uh, pulled up from half court and almost beat Kuz on it uh, and then ended up beating Kuz anyways. And then Trey Young threw up a one-footed... 28 foot three pointer to beat Fox. Uh, so I, 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 I love the young kids. Well, that's the thing is like, I, I'm listening to you guys, and I, I think it's great points mm-hmm. about, you know, Cassius and yeah, you know, him yeah. being able to be like a TJ McConnell type. Uh-huh. Um, I, I'm hoping, you know, somewhere more McConnell in the like type. late, uh, late Andre Guadala. Like, mm. he's a six man, but he can fit mm. in with that starting rotation and you go smaller. Cool. And again, uh, just to finish it off, shout out yeah. to Jimmy Butler because I know I already said it, but shout out to Jimmy Butler because he was the last good 30th overall pick. The only thing I'll throw out there with Cassius that'll be Great. interesting Great. is, and this will be the last thing, yeah. is yeah, just where is he, and everyone's going to be different. Mm-hmm. How is he going to match up at the end of the year against, like, because there's Marcus Howard from Marquette, there's Carson Edwards from Purdue. Yeah. But How is he going to match up against those guys when we get to draft boards, combine, and after? I think that. Uh, Carson Edwards has a narrower frame of work. Like mm-hmm. he, is, he is very much a gifted offensive player, but took a dip here at the he, end of the he, season. He, he too. took a he took a dip. Yeah, uh, but again, I don't I don't think he's as well rounded. Mm-hmm. I like his game, but it, I like Cassius is more of an all round player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Ricky, do you have a player you want to bring up? Because you already brought I, up Grant Williams. I brought up Schofield and Schofield. Williams. For me, one that I'll kind of throw out there is yeah, it's Ig- four picks. Is Jeez. Iggy. I, I love Iggy. Like, mm-hmm. he's a guy where pl- Michigan basketball, I actually, like, watching them this year, I think he's going to be something, fun, like, a fun late-round guy in the Bucks can get that energy from a guy and a guy who can shoot the three ball. Because down here, it's going to be important for playoff teams who need three-point help. They can get that. Schofield's down here. Um, Iggy's down here. Guys that can hit from the outside. We're going to end the podcast on a high note, and we're going to end on the best player in the NBA draft 2019. We're talking about Naz Reed, everybody. Naz Reed, the forward out of uh, LSU. Oh, uh, I am the only player ahead of the curve uh, putting Naz Reed in my, my uh, ah, top 30. You guys ahead are of, ahead of the curve. bums. 
for not putting him in there. Uh, he is the greatest player I've ever seen uh, play in my lifetime. Uh, if you look at his per 40, he's pretty much the greatest he has player a lot of all time. Zion, has uh, he? 22 points per game, okay. uh, you know, 49% from the field, 50, uh, 37% from three. And this is at, you know, fucking 6'10. Uh, he's from Asbury Park, New Jersey. That's where Bruce Springsteen's from. So automatically, that's a huge uh, okay. plus in my mind. You look at his advanced metrics uh, 110 offensive rating, 99 defensive rating, uh, defensive bu- bu- blocks. Score plus minus uh, 2.2. That's absolutely huge. Um, true shooting, I mean, come on, 58%. That's absolutely massive. And if you look at his numbers uh, compared to other freshman forwards, um, just looking strictly at forwards uh, in their freshman year um, who put up, uh, let's see, it was uh, uh, 45 over 45% from the field, uh, 35% from three, uh, under seven field goal attempts, uh, uh, over seven field goal attempts a game, but under three three-point attempts per game. Uh, names like Michael Beasley, Sharif uh, Abdul-Rahim, Tyler Hansbrough, uh, Marvin Bagley, Luke Babbitt, TJ Leaf, Anthony Bennett, the names get better, uh, Chris Bosh, Paul Millsap, there you go, Luol Deng, Thaddeus Young, and coming in at 30... Naz Reed, and this is sorted by points per game. Naz Reed, Marquise Chris, also at 31, and then a good old Wendell Carter Jr. at 34, along with Mark uh, 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 Jeff Green at 41. Uh, so Naz Reed is uh, in the likes of professional ball players um, that went to uh, Power Five schools, and uh, just proving that Naz Reed is going to be the next Chris Bosh. All right, cool. Uh, that's going to do it for <laughs> the Monster Three Point The big thing is, and this is the one thing I did want to throw out about Nazarene after giving you the uh, the pregnant pause there, is the Yo. biggest negative is his turnovers to assist. Like, what is it, 50, 58 turnovers to only 22 assists? Like, his decision-making, yeah, decision-making is big, Sean. And uh, for, I mean, for me, it's his lack at of a motor. the four, but it's like, but. if you can't make the right decisions out there, I'm not going to give you play. Here's, here's my thing. Is it's It's just... You know he's dealing with guards who won't pass him the ball. It's they won't feed him the rock, and if they feed him the rock, he'd be putting up thirty. He'd be putting up Trey. You sound Trey, like the coach's son. He'd be, he'd be well, putting up Trey. He'd be he put, would be better if they got me the be, ball. He'd be putting up Trey Young numbers if if he was if he was the number one <laughs> option on LSU. I can't. He'd be putting up Trey Young numbers. <laughs> Anyways, that's gonna do it for the mock draft three It's a joke. Come on. I think you might be. Off, I think you might be off of the Come on. video completely. Off, okay. yeah. He doesn't want to be associated with this podcast, and I don't blame him. Uh, if you do want to be associated with this podcast, don't forget to check out patreoncom slash podcast. Uh, he's muted. Uh, there you go. I uh, got the whole side. Uh, anyways, that's gonna do it for At the, the same time. Fast break podcast. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. Uh, for don't, don't just don't. Just don't. I'm the Fast Break Podcast. Uh, thanks to uh, Ricky Whitmer only. Uh, Dave Oster's a piece of shit. Uh, also, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash most of podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate us five stars. If you want to check us out on Twitter, you can do so at Most Valuable Pod. And final thing is, um, Ricky, help me out. What else? Oh, don't forget to leave your uh, comments and questions and concerns uh, on this YouTube video uh, because we're going to be doing a mailbag next week. Uh, your mic's on. I literally could not help you out because oh. my mic was off. All right, cool. Uh, my <laughs> bad. Uh, you could have shouted it. Whatever. Uh, anyways, uh, again, for Ricky Wimmer, fuck Dave Oster. I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.